0: well greetings and salutations everybody welcome to my youtube channel my name is john campia and this is our special open spoiler discussion of spider-man no way home let me emphasize this again it is a completely open spoiler discussion that means we're going to talk not just about the couple of surprises we're going to talk about all the different plot details so if you have not seen spider-man no way home Uh, you probably shouldn't be here yet. Come on back and watch this video later once you have. But, I mean, according to box office numbers, it looks like a hell of a lot of us have watched it. And so we are all here today. Good to see you guys. And I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting to have a big open spoiler. Even before I saw the movie, I've been waiting for us to have our open spoiler discussion uh, for Spider-Man No Way Home. And so here's what we're really going to do. We're going to spend really... All of this video, just talk taking your comments about it. Of course, if you guys want to send in a comment, uh, an opinion, a theory, a mini review of the movie yourself, use the super chat feature in the YouTube live chat, and uh, I've had it open for a couple of days now, so we're going to be reading through your stuff most of the time, but I do want to start off by giving a couple of my thoughts here, okay? A couple of my thoughts. I'm going to warn you right now, if you love Spider-Man No Way Home, there's going to be something that I say that is going to bother you a lot, but it's a truth. It's an absolute truth. But you're not going to like what I have to say in a minute. I'm just giving you that little bit of a warning right now. Because I ain't here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you what I actually think. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Here we go. This movie was great. The movie was great. And you know, my fear, heading into Spider-Man No Way Home, my fear was... That all the little Andrew's here and Toby's here and blah, blah. And it just becomes a big jerk off of, oh, look, fan service. Ooh. Because let's face it, a lot of film fans are easily distracted like babies with shiny keys. Ooh, right. And if if you had asked me before going into the movie, if I was worried about anything, what would be the one thing I'd be worried about? I would have probably answered, and I did answer, the one thing I would have some concern over is that the little childish fan humor stuff, like, ooh, look, everybody, shiny keys would be in place of proper good storytelling. Because we've all seen that happen before, right? But I had a lot of faith in John Watts. John Watts has done a great job with Homecoming. He did a great job with Far From Home. There was no reason to believe he wasn't going to do a great job with No Way Home. And of course, you got Kevin Feige shepherding the whole thing, who always, as of right now, gets our benefit of the doubt. So I I felt pretty confident. But again, my one worry would have been that all the look like the, all the little, oh, look, everybody, there's, oh, look, everybody, there's this, oh, look, everybody, ooh, Jamie Foxx mentions a black Spider-Man, maybe we'll see Miles, right? Would would be done in place of good, solid storytelling, but they didn't do that. This is, a, like, you take, here's here's the key. I remember I was, to, um, to, I was talking to Rob before walking in to the theater to watch Spider-Man No Way Home. And we're kind of talking about like, what, what'll be the key thing for you that shows you if this is good. And I said this, you know, take Toby and Andrew out of the movie. Is this still a good movie? I said, that's going to be the key to me. If you pluck Toby and Andrew out of the movie, is the movie still on its own, a solid, good movie? And the answer was yes. And then the additions of Peter and Toby just became that whipped cream and cherry on top and they used it in an integral way with the narrative of the thing and it just sung. It just sung. It just worked. It It really was a delightful, fun, more emotionally deep, um spider-man movie than probably we've definitely ever had out of the mcu it was just a joyous good time at the movies now i don't think it's the greatest spider-man movie of all time like i think it's the greatest mcu spider-man movie like you know how much i liked homecoming and you know how much i liked far from home or uh, yeah far from home i think this is the third film of the trilogy is the best of the trilogy it just was such a perfect summation of of the films that we've had in the MCU so far, I was tremendously impressed with it. Had such a great time. Anne and I are probably going to go see it again a little bit later tonight. We got dinner plans with some friends first in Burbank, but then I think we're going to sneak off and go see a late show of Spider-Man, and then we'll probably see it again tomorrow at some point. But anyway, um, I still, I personally still think Into the Spider-Verse and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 are the two best Spider-Man movies. But I think. Out of the nine Spider-Man movies, I put this one very comfortably third. The best of the new films, um, just a tremendously good time at the movies. I had a blast. I had an absolute blast. And again, I like the fact that if you're going to bring Toby and Peter into it, you make it make narrative sense. Have it be something that becomes vital to the story. And while they, at the end of the day, they weren't in a ton of the movie, they, came, they both came in rather late, but still they, it made absolute narrative sense. Their, their presence there made total sense. And then the way they used them as they went on in the movie worked really, really well, worked really well. And I think that was one of the biggest triumphs of the movie. Um, Just really still having the anchoring. The whole idea is still Peter. This is still Tom Holland's Peter's movie. It is still his movie. It all revolves around him and his decisions. His connection to MJ. His connection to Ned. His connection to Aunt May. Uh, I'm going to say this. The, the death of Aunt May didn't hit me as hard as it hit a lot of people. Like, I thought it was a wonderful scene. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, it's overrated. No, 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 no. It was a great scene. I liked it a lot. I, it didn't hit me the same way it hit. Like, I read a lot of people saying there were tears and they were crying. and it's, oh, That's cool. And I thought it was a good scene. Didn't hit me that hard. But still, I, I mean, my favorite parts of it was honestly even the more casual couple of scenes, once in the lab, once at the Statue of Liberty of the three Peters just talking to each other, right? Just the three Peters talking to each other was fun. Like one of you's like, man, I'm just going to get over the fact that you fought an alien in space. And like, and then Andrew Garfield was like, I'm so lame. I never did any of that stuff. By the way, can I say it's done? It's over. Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man ever. I think, I think that's done. It's over. You know, the old Vince Carter, it's over. It's over. The debate's over. Andrew Garfield is the greatest Spider-Man we've ever had. I think all three of them are awesome. Toby Maguire was fantastic. Tom Holland is great, but Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man we've ever had. Uh, but all three of them together, the way they would talk with each other, their interactions, they were each absolutely Peter Parker, but they were each distinct in their own way. And I thought that was wonderful. And those were my favorite scenes of the movie. Those are absolutely my favorite scenes of the movie. Um, There's so much good to talk about. And I think we're going to, obviously we're going to hear from all you guys. Uh, I'm going to let you guys know right now, as of right now, we have 142 pages of super chat questions. that you guys have sent in Um, and Ryan just sent in another one. Uh, We, but we are currently sitting at 142 pages of super chat questions. So, uh, we're going to go for probably about three hours today. And obviously, we're not going to be able to get through all of the questions today. We're not going to be able to get through all of them today. We're going to have to do a companion video. Even we're going to go three full hours today, and we're still going to have some to go. So just so you're aware, you may if you had sent one in a little bit late, you may not hear yours get answered today or yours read off today, but there will be companion to follow up. So just want to give you the heads up on that. There is one thing. There is one thing um, that, well, there's two big logical problems with the movie. And I know, I know, I know when, when you're doing a big spoiler video, all anybody wants to hear is, this is the greatest movie ever. This is the greatest movie ever. That's all anybody wants to hear, right? But it's not a perfect movie. There were a couple of big glaring flaws to me. That, remember overall I I love this movie it's my favorite of the MCU spider-man movies absolutely have a blast big double thumbs up for me but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention two logic problems um, two massive logic problems with this movie uh, just so it's out there okay now remember I said all the good stuff first but but this needs to be addressed. One is, and it's this is the smaller one. This one isn't that big of a deal, okay? This is the smaller one out of the, the problems that I had. Okay. You cast a spell that makes everybody forget Peter Parker. Okay. So what happens when people go into the now-deceased Aunt May's stuff and see who is in this bedroom? There's another bedroom in Aunt May's apartment, this her abandoned apartment, that... That is filled with a teenage guy's stuff. Who lived here? Well, I don't know who lived here. What happens to the photographs that Peter had of him and MJ and Ned? Does he, like, does Peter disappear from all photographs? If Peter had ever carved on a tree, Peter Parker was here. Does that tree magically heal? Do hard drives with data and information about Peter Parker, do hard drives get wiped? Like, did, did this ancient spell that was probably crafted long before the age of computers, did Dr. Strange's spell um, make, make that all disappear? Nobody remembered Peter Parker. Nobody remembered Peter Parker. Nobody remembered Peter Parker existed at the end of this movie. Now, some people are trying to write in and erroneously so that the spell made everybody forget that he was Spider-Man, not Peter Parker, not the final spell, not the final spell because, you know, happy is standing there at the grave with Peter Parker. He had no idea who Peter Parker was. MJ didn't just forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. MJ had no idea who Peter Parker was. Ned didn't just forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Ned had no idea who that dude was. The world forgot Peter Parker. So do do, do newspaper articles now disappear? Like, if there was physical newspapers, they go, hey, wait a minute, why does yesterday's newspaper have a blank page? What was our friend? Like, so... I don't know. That was just kind of a little bit weird. That was just kind of a little bit weird, bit weird, but okay. But here's the big one to me. This is the big one. Spider-Man and Dr. Strange are interacting over the notion of, I'm not going to send these guys back. I need to try to help them first. Like talking about the the four villains, right? Talking about Electro, Doc Ock, uh, Goblin, and Sandman. Doctor Strange tries to impress upon Peter, every moment that we don't send them back, we risk the very fabric of time and reality. Like all, everything we know could cease to exist. It could cause unspeakable damage to the very fabric of reality itself. The longer that we keep these guys here. Oh, and Lizard. I forgot about Lizard. Thank you. I forgot about Lizard. Every moment, these, they're, we're, we keep them here. We risk the fabric of reality and everybody who lives in all of existence, it's all at risk. And Spider-Man makes the decision, I don't care. I'm going to try to help these guys, which is very nice. It's very nice. B- but here's my problem with it. By keeping all of the villains there and not instantly sending them back because Dr. Strange so knows that like this could risk everything. We, we know so little about the multiverse. Their very presence here could risk all of existence. We just don't know. Peter was willing to take that risk, but here's the, here's the thing. Peter never asked anybody else if they were willing to take that risk. Like if Peter Parker had gone to a father of four children and said to the father of four children, hey, strange man who I've never met, um, I've got a decision I got to make. I got a couple of supervillains that I'd like to stick around and, and I'd like to keep here and help. But if I do, I'm putting the lives of your four children at risk. Would you mind if I take that risk? Would you mind if I risk the lives of your four children? And so I can try to help these supervillains. Would you be okay with that? Peter never asked anybody. Peter took it upon himself to put the world at risk and not ask the world what they thought about it. Like, I get it. He got this sweet little speech from Aunt May, but at the end of the day, Peter put that school of children up the street from you. He decided those children's lives were okay to risk. Because I got to help this Green Goblin guy. Because they literally didn't know. Like, And Dr. And Strange was trying to impress upon him. Look, this could be catastrophic. There's so much we don't know about the multiverse. If you don't send them back, the results could be absolutely catastrophic to everyone. And Peter's like, eh, I don't really like people. I'll risk everybody else and help these guys. I wish they had found a different narrative way around that. I wish they had found a different narrative way around that. Because at the end of the day, that wasn't heroic of Peter to do that. At the end of the day, that was outrageously selfish. He was putting other people's lives at risk so he could feel good about himself that he was going to help Goblin. He was willing to put all those children in that orphanage's lives at risk so he could help Goblin. He was willing to risk the entire world's population's lives. He was willing to risk all their lives. He doesn't care about them just so he could help Goblin. And so I wish they found a different narrative for, I wish they found a different narrative for why Peter decided to keep the villains in our universe temporarily, because at the end of it, I was just kind of like, I mean, I love the movie. This was great. Ah, this was awesome. But that kind of makes Spider-Man kind of a dick. Like, it makes Spider-Man kind of a dick. It's like, wait a wait, wait. You were willing to put my mom's life at risk so you could help a mass-murdering goblin? Really? And, and so, it, yeah, that's the one part to me that really stood out to me uh, badly. And on the one hand, it kind of makes sense because Spider-Man is still a high school kid, right? Like, he's, he's a graduating high school student, but still, he's a kid. And, you know, Dr. Strange makes that one comment himself earlier in the film. He says, you know, sometimes because you're Spider-Man... I sometimes forget you're still just a kid and we do expect kids to make mistakes, but that is a huge one. I'm willing to risk everybody else's lives without getting their input and they didn't get a vote, but I'm risking everybody else's lives. So I could help these four supervillains or five supervillains and Aunt May should have known better. Like I get it. Aunt May, you want to help this guy. That is awesome and noble, but is it noble to risk everybody else's lives in the world just so you can feel good about helping this one guy? In the words of Mr. Spock and the good Vulcan logic, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and the one, live long and prosper, my friends. But anyway, that was my one problem. That was my one problem uh, with the film. Other than that, it was it was a symphony of beauty. The movie was a symphony of beauty. I, I It was fun. It had the great Spider-Man humor in it. It had a couple of really good fan service moments in all the best ways. Um, There was some good emotional moments, not just, you know, Aunt May dying, but Peter struggling, knowing that the love of his life is now not going to remember who he is. Like that scene was played out really, really well at the end. As he's talking to her and she realizes, she's telling him, you better come find me and all that kind of stuff. And then he does go to find them and sees that they're happy. Honestly, that was the most heroic thing. Honestly, I think people underestimate this. That might have been the most heroic thing Spider-Man did in this movie was at the end. He goes and finds Ned and MJ, but he sees that they're happy. He sees that they're excited. He sees that right now their lives are in a good place. And he took himself out of the equation and said, my own happiness right now isn't the issue. My best friend Ned is happy and in a good place. The love of my life, MJ, is happy and in a good place. And his decision in that ice cream shop or whatever the hell it was to decide I'm going to let them be happy and not risk putting their lives in turmoil by me breaking some kind of news to them. To me, that was the most evolutionary part of the MCU Peter Parker we've ever had. As you go through the three movies, he's done a lot of brave things, right? Spider-Man's done a lot of brave things, but as you progress through homecoming and far from home, and now we come to the end of no way home to me, that is the most evolutionary moment in this Peter Parker, him choosing the happiness of the people he loves over himself. And to me, that was a beautiful moment, a beautiful culmination of all the story up until that point. And uh, I adored it. The Venom post credit scene was weird. It's like, really? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Tom Hardy there. But really, he got zapped into this universe just to sit in a bar for a couple of hours and then get zapped away. And I get it. They left behind a small piece of the symbiote. So if they want to do something with that later, they could. But that all seemed... Like at at the end of Venom 2 with that post credit scene of Venom 2, right? It's like you expected more because I thought Venom not was going to play a big role in this movie, but I thought Venom was going to have a role in this movie. I never imagined that they would just have that whole end credit scene for Venom 2 make a big deal out of that Venom was coming over the MCU just for him to sit at a bar for a few minutes and then get zapped back to his own universe. But whatever, they did set some stuff up. Anyway, again, end of the day. Wonderful movie, great time. I think, I think the culmination, the best of the MCU Spider Man movies. Um, just really just a ball, had just a ball, anyway, guys. With all that said, let's do now what we are really here to do, which is to take your thoughts and opinions and questions and all that kind of stuff in a big, open, spoiler discussion y kind of way. So, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Let's move on here. Uh, Ray Defty wrote in, uh, saw No Way Home yesterday here in the UK. It is rare that everyone in the cinema cheers and whoops. The movie did just that. Not even Endgame managed that. I mean, there was a lot of hooping and hollering in all the other theaters, but yeah, I've been hearing from our friends in the UK that the the normally more subdued UK audience, it's been a couple of years since they got to go to a big movie like this, and they were hooping and hollering. That's great to hear, Ray. All right, Sebastian uh, Bembenek writes, I cannot wait for the post-game spoiler discussion. Here we are uh, so we can talk about those big surprises. Yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, it's... I mean, look, we had had reports for well over a year that Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland... Sorry, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in the movie. There were those pictures of, of them on the Statue of Liberty. Then there was the video of Andrew Garfield that came out. And then there were those pictures that I put out. I mean, so by the end of it, everybody, everybody in the world knew they were coming, but it was still, it it never took away when that portal opened and we saw Andrew's Andrew come through the portal and take off the mask. Even though everybody in the theater I was in like knew that was coming, it didn't take away from the effect of it at all. Like it felt great. Um, yeah, it was, it's just really, really good stuff. But again, if all this movie had going for it was big surprises, then it's a shitty movie. If that's all the movie's got going for it is big fan service surprises. If that's all it had going for it, it's a shit movie. You take out the big surprises. This was still a solid, well done, beautiful conclusion to the trilogy movie. And that was the real strength of it. All right. Uh, Leo Liang writes big surprises. Um, Dante Siraccia writes, Toby and Andrew took what Tom... Uh, look at Tom and ask ask him during an intense scene, uh, what did Uncle Ben say? Tom says the line, just a thought. Well, yeah, that was obviously, that's something Dante hadn't seen the movie yet, and that obviously didn't happen. All right, uh, I got YouTube uh, sent in a super chat. Thank you, I got YouTube. Uh, J- uh, Jermaine Smith writes in, first time tipper, but man, I cannot wait. It's game day. So we had posted this. On Thursday, the day it was coming out here, so some people writing in some comments about that. So, yeah, and it was indeed a fantastic game day, man. All right, Josie Reviews writes, favorite Spider-Man movie moment ever, Miles' dad talking to him through the door in Spider-Verse. That is an amazing moment in a movie, in a Spider-Man movie. Like, honestly, I don't know which one I like better. I think right now I would put that moment of... Spider-Man saying goodbye to MJ and Ned at the end of No Way Home. Right now I put that and the scene in um, uh, into the Spider-Verse where the dad is talking to Miles through the door and he's just opening his heart and he's pouring out all this stuff to his son. I, I mean, I, I don't know which one I even prefer. They're both so fantastic I'd have to think about it, but that is a magnificent, magnificent scene. All right, uh, next up. Um uh leaf stink, and they 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 normally do. Writes heard the trailers are extremely misleading. They're not. The trailers weren't misleading at all. Uh Matthew Glandy just sent in a super a $20 super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you for that, Matthew. Appreciate that, man. T Cray10 also sends in a super chat badge, as does Ruben uh Briesno. Uh Player Rabbit sent one in. Chips Beswick sent one in, as did S Beam. Thank you, all you guys who sent those in and didn't even send in questions. Just sent those in to be supportive. And we appreciate that very much, guys. All right. Next up, Sebastian Dietz writes, just got out of the theater. Movie was awesome. Uh, heads off to, hats probably meant hats off. Hats off to all the creators. Didn't think they could pull uh, pull it off that well. And call it uh, F.U., wink, or anything, but you got to love Feige's humor, hashtag Flashpoint. I don't know what he means by that. What do you mean F.U., wink, or anything, but you got to love Feige's humor, did Feige make some kind of a joke about, um, some kind of a joke about Flashpoint? I, I didn't. I didn't notice that. I, I didn't notice any kind of joke there. I, I, yeah. I, so I don't know what you're what you're talking about there, Sebastian. But yes, it is crazy what they were able uh, to pull off there at the end. Um, let's see. Next up, uh, Ismail Montoya writes a oh, whole What's this? Um, the book. Oh, wait. Oh, so okay. A bunch of guys, Flash's book was called Flashpoint. Is that what it was called? Was Flash Thompson's book called Flashpoint? Is that no, no? It wasn't really, it was. I didn't even notice that the title of Flash's, of Flash Thompson's, it was Flashpoint. Oh my god, that is hilarious. I didn't even notice. Okay that might be the best thing in the movie. Then I didn't even notice that <laughs> that might be the best Easter egg ever in the history of e- It's such a meta Easter egg, but that must be the best meta Easter egg I have ever seen. By the way, if it's Kevin Feige doing it, it ain't, it ain't an F you, you know, Kevin Feige, he loves the DC movies. He thinks he's always talking about how much he appreciates the movies they're doing and all that kind of stuff. To me, if anything, it's a—it's probably an homage. It's probably not an FU. If it's Kevin Feige, it's probably an homage. But still, that is the greatest meta Easter egg ever in the history of cinema. I wasn't even looking at the title of the book. That is awesome. Thank you for putting that on my radar, man. I didn't even notice it before. Um, okay, next up. We've got, where are we at here? Uh, that was, uh, no, yeah, now we're at Ismail Montoya who writes, this movie is amazing. In my top three MCU films, emotional is the perfect word to describe it. Is Doctor Strange connected to what if? Big surprises. Do you guys remember on the John Campius show, it might have been on Wednesday, that we talked about the leaked, we didn't give any details away, but we talked about the leaked Doctor Strange trailer. Right? And I said on that show, listen guys, there are, there are many times when I say something's never going to happen, 95% of the time it doesn't. Then there are some times when I say something's not going to happen, but then as more information becomes available and I hear other people's arguments, I'll change my mind and say, you know what? You guys convinced me. But then there are some times that I think something's never going to happen, and then it just flat out does. And I said, guys, I can't tell you what it is, but this Doctor Strange trailer Revealed something that I did not absolutely think would happen at all. like not at all. I mean, unless we're wrong, that was the what if doctor. Strange, right? Things just got complicated or whatever it is, his line said, right? i I did not at all. I'll just call I'll tell you straight up, I thought there was no chance that we would get a what if character in a live action movie. I did not, I didn't think there was a chance. Like I, I didn't say there's a 10%. No, 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 no. I thought there was no chance of that. And you remember on Wednesday I said, guys, something happens in this Dr. Strange trailer that I never thought that they would do. That was it. That's what I was talking about. So I, I don't know. We may find out that that's not, I mean, it clearly looks like it's the, what if Dr. Strange, maybe that's not the, what if Dr. Strange, maybe it's something else entirely, but it, it looks like it's the what if Dr. Strange. So that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. I can't wait to see what they're doing with that. All right, next up. We got uh, Jetfire '97 who writes, "Hey John, back in 2004, my grandma and I went to see Spider-Man 2 when I was seven. Now we're about to go see this. Uh, got her into, got her in, uh, I got her into the superhero era. LOL, that is awesome. You know, we were talking about, you know, a guy wrote in and said his dad took him to go see the first Spider-Man in 2002, and now his dad, him, and his son were going to go see Spider-Man: No Way Home, and that's great. Here and stuff like this, Jetfire. All right, next up." uh paths unwritten rights no big surprises. exactly what we saw in the trailers already and broke the rules from loki uh geo i gotta know who was your never guessed cgi guy um okay so i'll say this once you guys know like for those you hadn't heard the story but i'll just tell this quickly so i got these pictures sent to me i i was pretty convinced they were fake I posted them along with another picture that pointed out why I thought they were fake, but nobody shared that one. Anyway, I got a call about five minutes later saying uh, those pictures may be real. And I pulled them down, which was a good thing because I was like five minutes away from posting a couple of the other pictures that got sent to me. But I, I, I never did. But I told you guys that one of the pictures had somebody in a motion capture suit which is no big reveal. (laughs) There's somebody in a motion capture suit. And I said, you'd never, you'd never guess who it is. You'll never guess who it is. The only person I showed that picture to was Rob. I've now shown it to Kimberly as well. Ray doesn't want to see it. So I haven't shown it to Ray, but the only person I showed that picture to was Rob. And so Rob and I, we come out of the theater after seeing Spider-Man, no way home. And we start talking about it. It's like, Did you notice that that picture wasn't in the movie? Which means that picture that I did not show you guys is actually for another MCU movie. And we were like, oh my God, that means that picture must be from blank. We're not going to tell you what it is. Because there's more than just a person in a motion capture suit. Like There's more than that, but that's all I told you was in the picture. There is more than just a person in a motion capture suit. But we were expecting to see that image in this movie, and it wasn't in the movie, which just means it's for this other MCU thing. And then we kind of geeked out about that, about, oh, what that must be. So it means that whoever sent me those images not only sent me images to that, they sent me images to other MCU projects as well. And how that person got them, I have no idea. I have no idea how how much that, but I'm very very glad I didn't get that picture up there. I'm glad I I got told before I sent that picture online because that would have broke everything. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there you go, there it is. All right, now next up, uh, we go to, uh, that was paths unwritten. Uh, Mike Hill writes. So it looks like Spidey is still in the MCU, not necessarily. Uh, and we will have a new Venom. It's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out in the larger MCU. Here's the thing. What was very clear to me at the end of this movie was they weren't sure what the status of everything was going to be. Like when they shot this movie, they didn't know what the status of Sony was going to be. So they ended it where taking Spider-Man out of the MCU now is easy because nobody in that universe even remembers, remembers Peter Parker, Right. They could easily make the next Spider-Man movie strictly in the MCU or strictly in the Sony-verse, but it also ended in such a way that if the next Spider-Man movie was in the MCU, that would totally make sense too. So it seemed like Sony and Marvel hedged their bets with No Way Home and had an ending, which by the way, I thought the ending was great, but they ended in such a way that if they just took Spider-Man out of the MCU now, not a big deal. Nobody even remembers who Peter Parker is. If they keep him in the MCU, totally makes sense because that's where Spider-Man is. It'll also be interesting to see how Doctor Strange 2 plays into this in Multiverse of Madness. But one of the things I loved about the ending was Spider-Man is finally Spider-Man again. Spider-Man isn't Iron Man Jr. anymore. Spider-Man doesn't have his own built-in Jarvis anymore. He just has a classic Spider-Man suit, him and his Spider-Man abilities. And I don't think there was a happier person in the world than me when I saw that ending that, nope, now his Spider-Man suit is one that he sewed together himself. And I was like, yes, finally, Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And I was very excited about that. So, But that was just me. All right, uh, next up, we got Paths Unwritten who writes, Uh, So many things unexplained. Time-traveling variants. Peter, born 20 years earlier. Eye of Agamotto. Sandman uh, never died. Max never knew his identity. I mean, look, what is clear is that multiverse is different from what happened at the end of Loki. Okay? Doctor Strange has always been aware of multiverse-isms, right? There was multiversisms being discussed in um, in Spider-Man Far From Home. Whatever this multiverse stuff is that Dr. Strange um, is talking about is different from whatever we saw happen in Loki. Like there was nothing about what happened in Loki that was remotely similar here. So I don't think it's contradictory. I just think that means they're two different concepts, both Dr. Strange and Loki use the term multiverse, but I think they mean it in two different ways and as two different things. At least that's my take on it. At any rate, that's my take it. But even no matter how much we explain it, there are a couple of little p- loopholes and plot holes in there for sure. There normally is when you get high concept stuff, but I, I always took that as meaning two different things, but maybe Kevin Feige will explain that it wasn't. All right. Uh, next up. What are we at here now? We are at paths unwritten. Who else writes and a dumb ending. I'll come find you after you forget me. Or uh, you could just stay right there and explain to MJ and Ned. Once the spell is over. I thought that too. I totally thought that too. Like when Dr. Strange was about to complete the spell, I was thinking, Peter, just stand there and keep holding her hands. Just stand there and hold her hand as the spell is cast. And so then when when the spell happens, She's standing there with you holding your hands and you can say, okay, you're wondering probably who I am and where you are right now. Let me explain to you what you're doing here right now. But instead, he decided, all right, well, he's about to cast a spell that'll make you all forget me. So the best thing for me to do is swing away. I didn't understand that. I, I didn't understand that. How did that make sense? It's like, okay, you're the love of my life. I'm the love of yours. You're about to forget me. But don't worry. The moment the spell happens, I'm still gonna be standing here with you. I'm gonna be holding your hand. It'll be confusing, but I'm not gonna go anywhere. Because you no know, MGB be like, don't go anywhere. This is just be, but no, no. Why do you have to swing away? If you just promised her I'm gonna find you immediately, well, why go anywhere? Stay right there. They should have come up with something in the movie. Like Doctor Strange could have even thrown in a very simple line. Like, if Doctor Strange just turned to Peter at one point and said, Peter, this is important. you got to make sure you're out of sight. When, for the spell to work, you have to be out of sight from anybody who would have remembered you when the spell happens. That's it. If Dr. Strange had said one three-second line, Peter, listen, you need to be out of sight for the spell to work. If Dr. Strange had just said that, like a three-second throwaway line, it totally would have made Peter saying, well, you're about to forget me. I better leave now. It would have made that make perfect sense. But whatever. It, I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just I was kind of screaming at the screen in my head. Why are you leaving? Where are you going? Where, tell me, Spider-Man, where do you have to be right now? Why, why are you in a rush to leave the Statue of Liberty as everybody's about to forget you? What's the hurry? What's the emergency? Why are you leaving? Stand there with MJ and Ned, but he decided to swing away. All it would have taken was one little line from Dr. Strange to say, you got to be out of sight. That's it. All he would, you have to be out of sight for the spell to work. That's all he would have had to have said. Anyway. All right. We're getting caught up in the negatives, whatever. Uh, Noam writes... Andrew and Toby had a lot more screen time than I thought, um, and they were great. I'm going to see it at least three times. What a celebration of a movie. It absolutely is. Uh, Watching you since WandaVision, keep up the great work. Well, thanks for being with us since WandaVision, and you're right. I mean, I knew they wouldn't show up five minutes in the movie and then be major characters in the movie. They probably showed up about halfway through the film, but it was more than even I was expecting them to be in it. Like We all knew it would be more than just a quick cameo, right? But it was more than I was expecting. And again, it, they use them the perfect amount. They use them the perfect amount. All right, next up. Uh, uh, Shahid Mir- Mir- Mirza writes John, Wednesday was so good. Kingpin, Daredevil, all Spider-Men together. Man, I wish John Schnepp was here with us. I laughed and cried watching the movie. And of course, a lot of people did see it on Wednesday, depending on where you lived in the world. And yeah, it made for a Christmas come early for a lot. If you guys are like big comic book fans, you had Kingpin, at least a picture of Kingpin pop up in Hawkeye. You had Matt Murdock show up, all the Spider-Men together. It was an early Christmas, Sherrod. All right, Darth Revan writes, how great was that moment Matt caught the brick? It was pretty funny. Love this movie. Hope you did as well as everyone else. Uh, There were big surprises. That was a great line. You know, the, the funniest line was, how did you do that? I'm a good lawyer. <laughs> Again, if I'm Spider-Man, though, I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's great. You're a great lawyer. You're blind and you just caught a brick that even my Spidey sense didn't. No, really. How did you do that? But they just kind of let it go away. But whatever. The line, I'm a great lawyer. That was a great line. That was a terrific line in the movie. All right. So, uh, Sebastian writes, no one knows Peter. Easy transfer to Sonyverse. Exactly. I mean, again, that's part of the brilliance of the ending of this movie is that it is perfectly logical for it to continue in the MCU. But with everybody forgetting Peter, it's perfectly logical for something just to swipe him into the Sony-verse now. I really think this ending, remember, because this ending was done over a year ago. This ending was Sony and Marvel saying, we don't know where our deal's going yet. So let's have this ending where it could make sense either way. And it still worked fantastically as its own ending. So I, I liked it a lot. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Uh, f- he, uh, feely? F- feely? Is that. Oh, is that. Did somebody. Ch- uh, I, I'm sure I'm brisk about Feely? three, one, five, I'm sure mispronouncing a rope. Did someone check on Andrew Garfield yet? He must be so exhausted from all the lying he had to do. Can't wait for his next public interview. I mean, yeah, look, we even talked about that on the John campus show. Like it's like, okay. So when Toby and Andrew are in the movie at, at what point, I mean, I get needing to deny, but at what point do we just not listen to anything anybody ever says anymore? Like, what Andrew Garfield should have just said is, uh, look, I, I can't, you, you guys, I'm an actor. I can't comment if I am or I'm, or I'm not in a movie. I, I just got to leave it at no comment. That's what he should have done. Because the constant convincing denials means, oh, so we can never accept anything an actor says anymore. And it I mean, I, so I, I don't know. It's a tricky situation. I don't want to know. But yeah, Andrew did a really good job, though. He, he held on to those denials right up to the last second. Mighty Tank One writes, Kevin Feige is basically those girls on Maury Povich that come storming out of the backstage yelling, I do what I want. I've never seen an episode of Mari Povich, so I can't confirm that. Uh, incredible film combining three generations of Spider-Man, fan service done right. Yes, it's absolutely true that it was fan service, but fan service is not in and of itself a negative thing. It's a tool like any other tool in storytelling, that can be used right and can be used wrong. Granted, fan service is normally used wrong, but sometimes it's used really well. And this was a good example of using fan service well. I agree. Right, next up. Un- unbeatable rights. Man, Toby and Andrew were actually in it a whole hell of a lot more than they thought they'd be. We were just talking about that unbeatable. Uh, thought Tobes actually bit it at the end there. Yeah, that was a little bit confusing. They, they really did set it up as this big tragedy of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man dies. But then he just says, ah, I've been sta- I get stabbed all the time. Okay, by the way, that was a pretty funny line too. When Tobey Maguire, ah, I get stabbed all the time. That was great. And as Andrew's holding him up and they're talking to Tom, then Tom walks away and Andrew turns to Toby. You're in a lot of pain, aren't you? And he's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm in a lot of pain that, but yeah, I kind of felt like there's going to be this big tragic ending. And instead it was just, "Eh, I get stabbed all the time. It was actually pretty funny. All right. Next up. um, Where are we at here? Um, unbeatable rights time for a shirt with scooby-doo scooby-doo this shit on it i guarantee you they're going to be coffee mugs t-shirts everything you can imagine by the way i already ordered my thanos was right <laughs> coffee mug that we saw in daredevil i already or that we saw in hawkeye i already ordered it but yes there'll be a lot of shirts of that uh nash San, oh boy nash santa Dicky, writes um was that cape bishop next to kamala khan I have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, Unbeatable writes, was waiting for Ned to open a sling portal and have Randy Savage pop out and yell, bone saws ready! As expected, I knew Doc Ock would help out in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we all knew that, right? Like, uh, And I had been saying that a lot. A lot of you guys were saying the exact same thing, that Doc Ock is going to end up fighting alongside Spider-Man. And, of course, he ended up doing that. So, by the way, Alfred Molina was wonderful in this movie. I mean, a lot of people were wonderful. Just want to point out, Alfred Molina was wonderful. He never missed a beat from when he played Doc Ock before. It was fantastic. Uh, Yasmar Hildalgo writes, uh, Andrew deserves an Oscar, not for Tick, Tick, Boom, but for his performance during live interviews. Yeah, he deserves an Oscar. Nah, man, sorry, I don't know what to say. I'm not in this movie. See, again, some people are saying, well, he his he was contractually obligated to lie. No, he was contractually obligated not to reveal that he's in the movie. And all any actor has to say is, like, guys, look, I'm a professional actor. Whether I'm in it or not, you know I can't comment. So I'm not commenting. I mean, he could have just left it at that. But anyway, whatever. He does. He was very convincing. He was very convincing. And he does deserve an Academy Award nomination for Tick, Tick, Boom, as a matter of fact. All right. Uh, Thanos writes. So who was the person you saw in the mole cap suit? We already addressed that. Uh, If you feel comfortable, can you share what other things were sent to you? No, 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 no. I'm not going to reveal. it. Now that I know everything that I got was sent was real, I'm not going to talk. Now that I know that they're real, no, I'm not going to mention a thing. All I will tell you is that Rob and I discussed it and that it was for a different, an upcoming um, Marvel property. And uh, once it happens, I will tell you what it was. Once it happens, uh, until then, uh, neither Kim nor Rob, nor I will mention, uh, will, we're going to keep it to ourselves. All right. Uh, next up anime 38 writes. Uh, looks like Kevin is wanting us to see, uh, what if to explain who the doctor strange is in the doctor strange two trailer. Guess what if is Canon now? Well, I mean, it always is Canon, but here's the thing I guarantee you, if that doctor strange in the doctor strange two trailer is, is the what-if Doctor Strange, which is what we all think, but just understand it might not be. But if it is, they're going to do that movie in such a way that you don't have to watch what-if to get it. All right? That's the way Kevin Feige does all these movies. Like, even if there's a reference to something else, you don't need to watch that something else in order to understand what's going on. They'll explain it in a one quick line or something like that. Let's just put it this way. I'm you from another universe that went down the wrong path trying to save somebody I loved. That's all he has to do. And then it's done. So if it is the Doctor Strange we think it is, you nobody's going to have to go and watch What If in order to be able to watch it because that's how Kevin Feige handles this stuff. All right, next up. Uh, Isaiah Campbell writes, um, some guy in my theater went to the restroom and came back to see Andrew Garfield on screen while walking back to his seat. He looked pissed that he missed it. <laughs> that would be funny. You just think, ah, they're just in uh, Ned's grandma's house having a conversation. Yeah. Now it's a good time to go to the bathroom and you come back and they're in They're talking to, to Andrew Garfield. That would be funny. By the way, can I just point out since Ned is Filipino, like you know uh, Jacob Bartillon is is a uh, is Filipino him and his grandmother was speaking Tagalog the Filipino language one of the main Filipino languages so we're sitting in the theater watching this movie and as as Ned's grandmother is talking blah, 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 right Anne and her brother Ray, are laughing their asses off and everybody else in the theater is like, what, what, what did they say? Because they didn't put up any subtitles as the grandmother was talking. So the grandmother's talking bah, 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 and, and i sound exactly like Anne's mom. So Anne and her brother away. sitting they laughing their heads off. Cause they totally understood what they we were saying. So they were the only ones laughing in the theater because none of, none of the rest of us understood it. All right. Uh, next up. C.C. and more writes, loved this film, especially the music callbacks. The music callbacks were good. When Garfield was introduced, the late, great James Horner version uh, of his theme played in the background. We also had the Elfman version and Toby D. Yeah, and we heard, I mean, a lot of that stuff was kind of revealed in the soundtrack stuff, but those musical overtures and notes that get played in there is always really special and worked really, really well here, C.C. Thanks for mentioning that, man. All right, Daniel Fitzpatrick uh, writes, uh, great movie, and I loved how it kept the focus on Holland. I love the scene where all three of them talked about responsibility. Yeah. Like them saying, that's what Uncle Ben said. and all, That whole scene, again, to me, two of the best scenes were just when the three guys were in the lab talking to each other, and then when the three of them were at the Statue of Liberty waiting for the villains to show up. That was really good, too, and I, I did like all that, Daniel. Uh, Russell Amador writes, wow, just epic. The whole damn story. Easily the best of the Spider-Man movies. The pop from the audience when all three Spider-Man assembled. Easily got choked up when Andrew saved MJ. Amazing. Yeah, we all knew that. Like, And again, to me, not the best Spider-Man movie. The best of the MCU Spider-Man movies for sure. Uh, easily, actually. I'll say easily the best of the MCU Spider-Man movies. I still think overall as a motion picture, I still think... Raimi's spider-man 2 and spider-man into the spider-verse are probably better overall but this was a magnificent movie and to me just me best of the mcu easily all right next up Uh, ben affleck's uncle bailey writes hey john i'm something of a spider-man fan myself Uh, my favorite scene in the movie was the three spider-man swinging and uh posing posing in the final battle that was a lot of fun i mean that's a fan moment scene that's just a fan service scene, but it was really good and had good pop. But there were so many great moments, like really good storytelling moments. Peter with MJ and, and Ned at the end. Um, Peter trying to like, you know what I loved? Just near the beginning of the film, Peter and MJ laying on the school roof, just talking about, you know, life is different now. Like to me, that's really good meaty stuff. That was really good. Just a lot of good stuff in this movie, Ben. All right, next up. uh, Daniel Fitzpatrick writes, Great movie. Everyone was amazing in it. Loved how it kept the focus on Holland. Absolutely. And that scene where all three Spider-Men talk about responsibility. And, you know, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, that I was really impressed that in the chaos of what this movie could have devolved into, it very firmly kept its focus on this is the Tom Holland Spider-Man's movie. This is his movie. The story revolves around him. And they did a really good job of bringing in all these other elements while maintaining that focus all at the same time. And I thought that was very, very key to the, su- to the success of the movie overall. All right. Silent W197 writes, with Happy saying he knew May through Spider-Man, how do you think uh, that all the other Avengers uh, know and work with Spider-Man still not knowing it's Peter? I mean, I don't know. That's that's not a hard thing to go that we know Spider-Man, but oh, we can't remember who Peter was. That, that's not hard. That's not hard, but there's a lot of other <laughs> ways. That if you know May, and say, so wait, so May, May started living in my house, but wait a minute, why did May start living in my apartment just before she died? I can't. She just broke up with me, and then she moved into my place. Why did she move into my place? I mean, I don't know something there, but yeah. All right, next up, uh, Jacob Love writes. Uh wow. Uh wow, was this good? When Toby and Andrew came, everyone went wild. And when Aunt May died, it broke me. The ending did that too. Amazing movie, 10 out of 10. Not a 10 out of 10 for me. Then again, I I think we live in a generation where everybody just hands out 10 out of 10s like it's Halloween candy. But you get a 10 out of 10 and you get a 10 out of 10. Not a 10 out of 10 movie. I think there's only been like seven or eight of those in the history of film, but that's just me. But a terrific emotionally satisfying narratively pleasing conclusion to a trilogy i don't know how they could have done a much better this it just was a fan not just a fantastic movie in and of itself it was a fantastic conclusion to this trilogy of films that they had done just a superb job Mwah, chef's kiss to everyone involved all right next up we got sam edwards and sam edwards writes don't want to see another film with three spideys, but think there's a chance Andrew comes back in either standalone or S oh, Sinister 6 film now wouldn't confuse anyone. I don't think so. I mean I mean you never know, totally possible. I personally think this was the swan song for Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Something that Ray pointed out neither of them got in their own film f- series, right? Like neither of them got a proper send-off. Neither of them got a proper goodbye in either Toby's series or Andrew's series. And to me, that's kind of what this was. But again, listen, the door's now open. I mean, anything is possible at this point. All right. Uh, Next up, Um, Sam Edwards writes so many. um, So wait a second. Oh yeah. Didn't expect so many uh, direct references to the other films. When Andrew spoke about not forgiving himself for Gwen's death. I know. I knew that he was going to catch MJ. Okay. Yeah. But, We all knew, like from the moment we saw that trailer with MJ falling, like we saw Gwen Stacy falling, reaching out, we all knew who was going to catch her, right? We all knew that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was going to be the one to catch her. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody, but it was very satisfying. It was very, very satisfying that he did. And I love that after he caught her down the bottom, he took a moment. He appreciated that that moment that he saved her from falling and they took just a beat for him to look emotional before they moved on. I thought that was very, very well done. All right. Uh, Next up. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Ben Rayner writes, can we just give Andrew the Oscar for a performance of a lifetime? He really was convincing this past year. I believed him. Yeah. Listen, I think he convinced a lot of people when he was like, uh, it was, he was very convincing. He was kept insisting. He wasn't in the movie. Uh, Rodney Lorino writes, Toby finishing the responsibility line chills. Yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Again, that whole conversation for me worked so well, Rodney. Eddie Rodriguez writes, uh, man, when Toby and Andrew showed up, everyone in my theater absolutely lost their minds. It almost didn't feel real uh, that I was witnessing that moment. I'll tell you what, though. When when he comes through, it was such a good setup because, look, we were all expecting Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire to show up, but When they said, find me Peter Parker and Andrew's guy walks through, I still thought that was Tom Hollins until he pulled the mask off. I think a lot of other people in the theater picked up on that that was probably Andrew Garfield's. But even in that moment, I thought that was Peter. I thought maybe Andrew wouldn't come till later. And when he pulled the mask off, it was a great moment. All right, next up. Uh, The Iberian Troll writes, this is by far the best Spidey MCU film I, I concur, and also the kind of film that I never imagined would ever happen. And if the third act with Toby and Andrew were not enough, we even get a Charlie Cox cameo. Yeah, again, I'll say this about the Charlie Cox cameo. It was unnecessary. right? there was there was no purpose narratively, like the Toby and Andrew stuff, they made that like part integral to the narrative. The Charlie Cox cameo was empty fan service. It wasn't bad. It didn't detract from the movie. But whereas they made there be narrative purpose and function to that being Andrew and Toby. And how that important that was, the Charlie Cox appearance was just like, ooh, dangling shiny keys. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I did. But unlike Toby and Andrew's appearance, that was just that could have been any lawyer. That could have been anybody talking. Like that was completely unnecessary. So that was kind of an unnecessary jingling of the keys. Look, everybody, it's Charlie Cox. Ooh, it it didn't need to be there. But Toby and Andrew did the way that story was put together. So I wish they kind of come up with a way. If they really wanted a scene with Charlie Cox, I wish they could have come up with a way. To make it make narrative sense, why it's him right? Why is it him? Because happy, because remember, Matt Murdock is a lawyer who works for people who can't afford lawyers. Happy can afford any lawyer that May and Peter need. So it didn't actually make sense that it would be Matt Murdock. Again, unless in this universe, This Matt Murdoch is totally different. Like this Matt Murdoch is a successful lawyer. This Matt Murdoch is a lawyer who, you know, maybe that's one of the differences between the MCU's Matt Murdoch and the Netflix Matt Murdoch, that maybe this Matt Murdoch is an expensive lawyer who does have higher profile clients. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm grasping at straws here right now, to be honest, but who knows? Maybe. All right, Uh, next up. Uh, Let's see here. The the Iberian uh, troll also writes, I also wonder what kind of doors this movie opens. Could Toby or Andrew be sent back to their own multiverse universes while Tom stays in the MCU? Um, Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Toby and Andrew did get sent back to their own universes, obviously. And the end of the film has Toby or has Tom Spider-Man still there. But with everybody forget- not even knowing who Peter Parker is, it completely opens the door that his next film could be in the Sony-verse or it could be in the MCU, depending on what they want to do. I think that was a really smart thing that Sony and Marvel did together, saying, look, we don't know where we're going with this yet, where we're going with this Spider-Man, whether we're going to take him back, whether we're going to extend our deal, keep him there. So let's end this movie in such a way that it could go either way, that if we want to take him into the Sony-verse for the next movie, we can. If we want to keep him in the MCU for the next movie, we can. And that seemed like to, a lot of very good for planning on, on their part. So we'll see where they go with it. All right, next up. Uh, the Iberian Troll also writes, one thing I don't understand is, if the villains were dragged to the MCU because they knew Spidey's identity, why was Eddie also transported there? The only thing I have, the only thing I have for that is two different options. Option number one, that Dr. Strange's theory was wrong. Like, Dr. Strange's theory was anybody who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man is going to be pulled into this universe. Maybe his theory was wrong, right? Because it was just a theory. So maybe it was wrong. The other theory is that the symbiote is a hive mind that not only stretches across the vastness of the galaxies, but maybe also across the multiverses. Maybe. So the symbiote in Spider-Man 3, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, knew that Peter was Spider-Man. So maybe, therefore, any symbiote in any galaxy, in any multiverse reality, also knew. Maybe. That begs the question, though, why didn't Topher Grace's Venom come over? Well, he died. Well, yeah, others died, too, and they got brought over. Just, you, they got brought over before they died. So, so the question is, if Tom Holland's Venom is there because the symbiote connected through the multiverse is new, then why didn't Topher Grace's show up, too? I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. I'm just wondering out loud. So I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. Don't know. All right. All right. Uh, next up. Um, let's, we are at um, the, the Iberian Troll also writes in, so is a Venom a villain in the next movie? I don't know. I Again, I think they just left a piece of the symbiote there. So if they do continue in that direction, that's a story that they can do. And then they can even reference, I wonder if this is what that one Peter was talking about when he says uh, goo black goo from outer space. I mean, it's possible. All right. Uh, or they may just leave it alone and never come back to it again. All right. The Chum Bucket writes, how did you uh, catch that? Uh, how do you catch them I'm a really good lore? Again, a very, very funny moment in the movie. They would have followed it up, but it was a good funny moment in the movie. Jacob uh, Kurika writes, Hey, John, quick question. Uh, why do you keep saying that you think it's a different Daredevil? The Netflix Daredevil series took place in the MCU right after the first Avengers. Thanks, extra butter. Because Kevin Feige has always denied it. Kevin Feige has always denied them. Kevin Feige, and by the way, there were never any overt direct references to the MCU in the Netflix shows other than some very vague Third hand removed references, like a, a newspaper article in the background on a wall or something like that. And Kevin Feige at the MCU phase three announcement event that I was at. And when I act about the Netflix series and all that kind of stuff and about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Kevin Feige was always very adamant that he had nothing to do with that stuff. I, he he distanced himself from Agents of Shield. He distanced himself from the Netflix stuff. That all that stuff had nothing to do with him. And and I'm not the only one. There are a ton of of industry analysts who believe that Kingpin and Daredevil. These are going to be new versions of Kingpin and Daredevil. Um, because if it is, and it may still be the same. Charlie Cox and the same uh, Vincent D'Onofrio from the Netflix thing. But if it does, that creates a lot of problems. It creates a lot of problems. Um, one thing, one, I mean, one of the rarely surface problems, obviously, is how come Cottonmouth is suddenly a vampire? How come Cottonmouth is all of a sudden Blade, right? Because this isn't like uh, um, Gemma Chan who played a character in Captain Marvel, but she was all done up in prosthetics and makeup and looked totally, totally different than she does in Eternals, right? But there's, I I mean, who was it? I think it was IGN had this great list of inconsistencies that get created if you say they're from the same universe. It creates a lot of problems. However, what you can easily do if you're Kevin Feige is saying this universe is um, Wilson Fisk and this universe is Charlie Cox, it's being played by the same actors, yes, but it is this universe's version of them. Again, I don't know. I haven't had anybody from Disney call me and tell me that. I, I'm That's just my theory. That's the way I think they're going to go with it. I think we're going to find out that these are indeed different versions than the ones we saw in the Netflix series. Extremely similar, but different nonetheless. Whether that's true or not, who knows? We'll find out. All right, next up. Uh, let's see here. Next up, we are at... Uh, that was Jacob. Next, we got the Chum Bucket writes, the dialogue slash quips were the best of the MCU period. No, nah, no, nah, they weren't. I, I respect that you think they are. I disagree personally. Your opinion is no less valid than mine, but I, I disagree. I don't think they're the best we've had in the MCU yet. That's just me. All right, Steve uh, Manguiya writes, saw it on the 16th with my wife and stepson. Wow, I don't know. The last time I had this much fun at the theater, what an awesome experience. And you know what one of the best things is? Is that it had been like over two years since we had such an event film like this like back in 2018 and 2019 we were getting spoiled we were having these big massive event films like every two to three months right it felt like every two to three months we were getting the next billion dollar hit film the next blockbuster massive event kind of film like every two to three months and we've gone two years since we've had that again which just added to the overall energy, excitement, enthusiasm. I mean, I can't speak for you, but for me, that, that just being back in there and having that kind of event again was so special, man. I'm glad you guys were able to experience that. All right, next up. Steve uh, Manguia writes, My favorite parts were when Toby, Andrew, and Tom shared the screen and had dialogue together. Sad, no venom in the story, but symbiote in the MCU now, maybe. Symbiote in the MCU now, Maybe. We'll, we'll we'll see where they go with that. But because remember, after Venom 2, everybody was saying, that's it, Venom is now officially a part of the MCU. It's like, well, no, he's gonna go over and then he's gonna come back. And a lot of people kept arguing, no, he's not coming. He's he's now there. Tom Hardy is now there in the MCU. It's like, no, nope, pump the brakes a bit. I think he needs to serve a function there. And then that function is going to be served and he's going to come back. And sure enough, that's what they did, although in a much smaller way than I thought they would. Like, I thought he would play more of a part in this movie, but whatever. But if they choose, they've now left a piece of the symbiote behind. Now, I don't think that's Venom, but it's a piece of the symbiote behind, much like Cassius Clay got a... Cassius. Just like Clash just like Cassius got a got a bit of the symbiote in him in Venom 2, a bit of the symbiote was left behind. But I don't think it's going to end up being Venom. But who knows? They've left a lot of open doors for themselves moving forward. All right. Next up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Luke 1, 2, 3, 4 writes. Um I'm so glad they mentioned Toby's organic web shooters. Also interesting to see that Andrew and Toby were in their own super, were their own superheroes, not Avengers. Yeah. I, okay. That's one of the most underappreciated lines in it. You were in the Avengers. What's an Avenger. I love that line. I thought that line was fantastic. I adored that. Um, Cassius clay, everybody. All right. Next up, uh, Serene, uh, Tam is, Temil Selvam writes, extra hype for Fantastic Four because of Watts, really underrated. Listen, I agree. Like, I thought personally that um, Peyton Reed would have been a good choice. I mean, there are a lot of great directors that Kevin Feige could have got to do Fantastic Four. I personally thought Peyton Reed was going to be the guy they would pick. Peyton Reed just seems to have that That, I don't know how to put it, that that flavor to really bring over to Fantastic Four. So I was a little surprised when they announced that John Watts was going to do it, but pleasantly surprised nonetheless. I thought he's done such a good job with Homecoming and Far From Home, and I'm sure he's going to do a good job with No Way Home. He's going to be great for it. And after seeing No Way Home, I'm very, very excited to see what he does with Fantastic Four next. All right, next up. The Iberian troll writes, what happens to everybody on their respective universes? Do they remain cured slash reformed or reset to what they were like at the time they got snatched? I, somebody mentioned that to me before somebody says, wait a minute, they don't even know how the multiverse works. Even if Spider-Man cures these guys, who's to say that once they get sent back to their universes, they don't just immediately revert to what their status was when they were taken out of their reality. I'm like, I hadn't considered that. That is a very good question because <laughs> like Dr. Strange said, we have, so who knows, who knows? Maybe Doc Ock gets sent back right to the moment that he drowns. Maybe Electro gets sent right back when he gets, you know, diffused of his humanity. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Willem Defoe goes back right to the moment that he gets impaled with his own glider. Who knows? <laughs> we have no idea at this point. All right. But there's no way they would have known either. All right. Next up. Um, Gamer Prime writes, I am surprised Holland remained uh, in the MCU at the end of the film. Based on the title, I thought Holland would be pulled into Sony. Again, the end, I think Sony and Marvel, by the time they made this movie, which was, again, well over a year ago, I think both of them didn't really know what the status of their future was going to be with each other. And I felt like watching this movie, they ended it in such a way that it gave no definitive answers about where Spider-Man goes. He's still physically there, so it would make sense for them to continue with another Spider-Man movie with him in the MCU. However, they ended the movie in a state where Spider-Man, nobody in the world even knows that Peter Parker exists. Therefore, it'd be very easy now for them to bring him back over into the Spider-Verse. It seemed like this was something, a a stroke of genius planning on, on the part of Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal, and the folks at Sony, to really end this film in such a way that it gives them a lot of flexibility. That's the word. The ending of this Spider-Man movie was an ending of flexibility. It allows Sony and Marvel to do really whatever they want with the character moving forward now. So we'll, we'll see what happens as time moves on. All right, next up. Jake C writes, I still think this means Raimi's Spider-Man Four, the amazing Spider-Man three homecoming Four, culminating in spider crossover movies. I think this is Sony Spider-Verse formed. I mean, I don't think so, Jake. But it's a wonderful theory. I mean, listen, I think that could be kind of fun. Seeing a homecoming for a Raimi Spider-Man four, the Amazing Spider-Man three. I mean, look, I I'd be down. I'd be as a fan, I'd totally be down for it, and I'll be into it. I don't think that's what they're doing, but if they do, fantastic. All right, next up, Corey Frazier writes one of two hey john been out uh, of my been out of my first viewing for a few hours and just wanted to send in a quick reaction which is holy shit uh you were right um everyone did forget peter parker my only question uh, i have is does happy know aunt may through spider-man but not know peter is spider-man i mean that's the magic of the spell that's the magic of the spell and yeah, you guys remember like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on the show that remember the spell Dr. Strange is casting is to make people forget Spider-Man. I think this movie's going to end with everybody forgetting that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And that's exactly what they did. But actually they went one step further than that. They actually ended it with everybody forgetting Peter Parker, period. Nobody remembers Peter Parker, not just that Peter Parker wasn't Spider-Man. Nobody remembers Peter Parker. There's no evidence left in the world of his existence which is going to be interesting moving forward that he has no birth certificate. He has no whatever. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do either in the Sonyverse or in the MCU moving forward. All right, thanks for writing in, Corey. Uh, Cop the Pop writes, Hey, John and friends. First time tipper. Thanks thanks for being here, Cop. Uh, I got to say, I really love the film. Really awesome that we can all come together and talk about it like this. You know, here's the thing. I love that you mentioned we can all come together. At the end of the day, we're all movie fans. We're all movie fans. And it is so cool to have something like this movie come out and like everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a, uh, a casual movie fan or a hardcore movie fan. It doesn't matter if you're somebody who prefers your DC movies or your Marvel movies. It doesn't matter if you're really into comic book movies, maybe not really all in that comic movies. To have a movie come out at this period of time that all of us can go Man, we're damn excited to see that. I've had people writing into me over the week saying, you know what, I really like the MCU, but damn, I'm excited about the Spider-Man movie. I've had people writing into me saying, you know, I'm not really into comic book movies, but damn, I'm excited to see the Spider-Man movie. I've had, I've had so many people writing, and it's just to me, this is one of the magical, wonderful things about the movies. Is the movies, like sports, has a way of connecting us all. Right? Like I was watching before we started the show today. I was watching a little bit of the uh Titans Steelers football game, right? And you got and it was being I think it was being played in Pittsburgh. If I if if it if I remember it right, it looked like they were playing in Pittsburgh. But you look in that stadium. And and the fan, the Steelers fans hugging each other, high-fiving each other. You know what? I'm watching this. In that crowd, you got rich people and poor people. You've got You got straight people and gay people. You got Republicans and you got Democrats. You got old people and young people. You've got whatever. Doesn't matter to any of them. Sports brings them together. And they were in that stadium high fiving each other, hugging each other, cheering together. Sports brings people together. And I think movies does the same thing. I think you probably in movie theaters across the world this weekend, you had. People in those theaters from various socioeconomical backgrounds, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different countries, from different political persuasions, and none of it meant a shit. Everybody was standing together, cheering, hooping and hollering, crying together in the theaters. Movies have that power to bring people together. And some trollish little cousin-humping, basement-dwelling losers, they try to make movies of things that divide us. But for the most part, movies unite us. And I love the way you put that, Cop the Pop, that this is a movie that brought everybody together. and brought. Now, not everybody's going to like Spider-Man No Way Home because movies are still subjective, and there are going to be some people that don't like the movie, and a lot of people that do, and that's perfectly fine. But it is so cool seeing everybody getting excited about coming to the movies. I loved it. I I tell you what, I took in a moment when we, when me and and the group that came with us to our private screening, we walked into the the AMC. It, I just stood there in the lobby for a moment to look around and see how packed the AMC was, how long the lines were at the concessions, how all these people showing up in their Spider-Man shirts and and whatever. And I just took in for a moment, just how great it was again to be in a theater that, that was full, filled with life. So many people there, everybody excited. Sorry, I've gone on in this too long, but to me, it was just a really, really, really good moment. It was a really, really good moment. Anyway, uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Tim Platt writes, oh my God. Uh, even though I knew without a doubt Charlie Cox was going to be in the movie after Hawkeye and was fairly certain Toby and Andrew were in it, I'm still happy. I still happy teared up when they appeared. I mean, that was the thing too, right? Like uh, everybody in my, we all knew Andrew Garfield Peer, and uh, Andrew Garfield and Tom McGuire were going to be in there. But even though you know it's happening when they show up, it's great. You know what it's like? It's like Infinity War, right? Everybody knows Captain America is going to be in an Infinity War. But that moment when they're battling in the subway station and the train goes by and everybody looks over and out of the shadows steps Steve Rogers, Captain America, like everybody knew Captain America was going to be in the movie. But tell me the theater you were in didn't get electric when stepping out of the shadows comes Captain America with his beard and everything, right? Like everybody freaked out. It was great, and that's, that's the sign of a good movie. That it's not just cheap fan service, that it actually was woven in there great and had a great effect. All right, thanks for sharing that, Tim. All right, next up. Boomer Bust writes, Eddie doesn't know Peter. Why was he pulled in? Again, the theory is either that Doctor Strange's theory was incorrect or that the symbiote is connected even across various multiverse elements. All right, Xavier, Mar- but then again, it raises the question, then why wasn't Topher Grace's Venom brought over? Yeah, it's a movie. It can't answer all the questions, right? Xavier Martinez writes, uh, both, sorry, Andrew stole the show for me. I completely agree. Uh, The MJ save talking about Gwen. Great closure for his Peter. I know it's a hot take, but this movie reaffirmed for me his suit is by far my favorite on-screen Spidey suit. I don't really care a lot about suits, to be honest with you, but I'll, I'll tell you what this movie did for me. Me and Ray talked about this walking out of the movie. I'm like, Am I alone in thinking that this this settles it? Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man we've had, which is funny because I think before watching No Way Home, I think if you took a poll amongst a lot of people, they probably would say Toby is the greatest Spider-Man or Tom is the greatest Spider-Man. Andrew probably would have came in third. I think if you polled all the movie fans, who's your favorite Spider-Man out of three? I bet you there would still be a lot of people that thought Andrew already, but I bet you Andrew would have come in third. And today, I'm not so sure. Like, I know for me, I liked all three of them. I love all three of them. But after seeing No Way Home, I'm just realizing, you know what? Yeah, Andrew Garfield's the best Spider-Man we've had. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, for those people who are watching live right now, I'm going to just put up a poll. I, I honestly don't know what you're going to say. Uh, who? Oh, sorry. Let me rephrase this. After um, No Way Home, who is your favorite uh, Spider-Man and we're going to put, uh, uh, Toby. We are going to put, uh, Andrew and we are going to put Tom. All right. For those of you guys watching live, I've just posted a poll, just asking you guys after watching no way home, who to you is now your favorite Spider-Man. And I think I've always just kind of said, I think all three of them are great. I think all three of them are awesome. I love all of them. I think now Andrew, Gar- I would say for me, Andrew Garfield's my favorite Spider Man. I just think he's the best. All right, let's, so I posted the poll a couple seconds ago. Let's go over. We have uh, over 800 votes are in. And it, it looks like you guys agree. Right now, 47% of you are saying that Andrew Garfield is your favorite, 27% are saying Tom Holland, 20, 26%. Now we have over 1,000 votes. It's 46% Andrew 29% Tom, 25% Toby, uh, we're over 1100 votes still holding 45%, 29%, 26%. So yeah, I mean, and, and I honestly think if we had done this poll prior to no way home, I think Andrew Garfield comes in third and here we are post no way home. And now we're approaching 1300 votes and 44% of you are saying Andrew Garfield, 29% Tom, 27% Toby. So I think Andrew Garfield has gone from third to first just for his appearance in this movie. And I, I think that's a really cool um, cool indication about what they did. And I thought all three of them were great in the film. I thought Toby Maguire was fantastic in it. I thought Andrew was fantastic. Tom is always fantastic. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a, a really cool thing to see. All right, let's keep going on here. Uh next up, we've got Boris uh Nekakovsky, who writes, Damn John, I am beyond blown away. Went to a midnight screening the other night and got my second one tonight. Like you, I'm sure. I'm happy Peter is now on his own. Uh this has me excited for his future. And it, it, yeah, I, I cannot emphasize enough that I I was so happy. <laughs> with this movie ending with Spider-Man just being Spider-Man again. No longer is he Iron Man Jr. He is Spider-Man. The way we all know and love Spider-Man. Not not that I haven't loved Homecoming and and Far From Home. You know I do. But I've always bothered me a bit that there seemed to be this attitude that Spider-Man's not cool enough. See, you got to have Iron Man technology to be cool today. Spider-Man with his spider sense and superhuman strength and superhuman speed and a superhuman agility and his web slinging. And yeah, no, 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 no. That's fine for a comic book hero in the sixties, but you got to have the high tech Iron Man tech to be cool without it. He can't be cool. Kitties aren't going to like the Spider-Man without Iron Man tech. And that part's always bothered me a little, even though I still love the movies. But it made my heart smile, Boris, when this movie ended and he's actually now going to be truly Spider-Man. And and I really like that. That's just me, though. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up. Uh, We got Chris Gonzalez, uh, who sent in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Chris, for supporting us on that level, man. And Chris writes... Uh, Hey, guys. Wow. I saw the movie on Thursday. Best one yet with big surprises, but it looks like uh, no Tom Holland and Holland facing each other uh, since Hardy went back to his universe and Holland stayed in the MCU. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing to me. I don't know why anybody ever thought that Venom was going to come and join the Sinister Six or that Tom Hardy was going to be fighting Tom Holland in that universe. This Venom is a hero. The Tom Hardy Venom is a hero he is the lethal protector. Like, right. I mean, so I personally never understood why anybody thought that that was something that we were going to get. Um, by the way, guys, uh, just so you know, for those of you guys watching, I am about to deactivate super chats because we've got way too many. (laughs) We've got so many in there right now. So I am about to deactivate the super chats. So if you are watching right now, um, and there's like 5,000 people watching live right now. But if you are watching live at this moment and you still want to get in a quick thought or or theory or an opinion or whatever, now's the time to fire it in. I'll give you about one more minute to do it. But just so you're aware, there's no way in hell I'm going to get to it on this live stream. It'll probably get answered in an upcoming supplemental like. Sp- Spider-Man open spoiler discussion part two that'll come in the next day or two. So if you got something you want to fire in, fire it in, fire it in now you got another 35 seconds probably. Uh, but it's probably not going to get answered. This video will probably be answered in an upcoming video. All right. Are we clear? Great. All right. Now back to Chris's point. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, I am not surprised. Like I thought there was a chance, just a chance that, the lizard getting the invisible person punching the lizard that we saw when they dropped the second trailer. Um, I thought there was, I mean, we all thought that was going to be the three Spider-Men, right? But I did think there was a chance that it could have been Venom flying in there to fight alongside of Spider-Man. And obviously that didn't happen. But I did not think there was really any chance that we were going to get Tom Holland fighting Tom Hardy. Like I I just, because that's just not the nature of this Venom. Now, what they do moving forward in the future, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But for now, we're just going to have to kind of leave it at that. Okay. And with that, we now turn off the super chat feature. And the super chat feature is now turned off. And uh, there's a lot of questions still to go. We're never going to get around to all of them today. There's obviously going to have to be supplemental, but let's keep going for now, shall we? All right, next up thanks for writing that in Chris appreciate that man uh Terry Giordano writes uh gulped when Toby spiked a nice story for Garfield and Auk. yeah it was a great thing for that and it did yeah everybody's like thought this was a tragic ending for Toby uh Stephen Wolf writes hey John what a great movie did you get any meta vibes when Charlie Cox's Matt Murdoch was sitting across from John Favreau's foggy Nelson oh yeah because you guys a lot of people forget that John Favreau was was you know, Uh, he was, uh, in Ben Affleck's Daredevil, right? Everybody, a lot of people forget that. So yes, I absolutely, when I was sitting there watching one universe's Daredevil with another universe's Daredevil's, uh, character, I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. All right. Next up, uh, Juno Faulkner writes. Toby showing up and Andrew saving MJ had me bawling like a baby. What a beautiful love letter to Spidey fans for the last 20 years. Also, how did electro come in if he didn't recognize Peter three? Um, well, I look, look, I don't think the I don't think the nature of it was Peter had to know Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Just anybody who knew that Spider-Man was Peter Parker. Right. Because Doc Ock didn't recognize Tom Holland either. Right. So I think it was just a more broad nature, just broad nature of it. I think, I don't know. There are some problem. There are some logic holes here, but I think that's going to c- kind of be it. All right, Juno also writes also, did anyone else notice the silhouettes of either Spider-Man villains in the multiverse tears? I think I saw Craven and Scorpion for sure. I, the only one I was able to see, cause it all went by pretty quick. The only one I was able to clearly see and recognize was Rhino. Like, I definitely saw Rhino. But the other ones I I didn't personally make out. Again, I've only seen the movie once so far. I might be seeing it again tonight. If not, I'm definitely seeing it again tomorrow. But this time I will pay more close attention to some of the silhouettes in there. All right. Uh, Next up. Daryl Best Wadley writes. Uh, we can never trust an actor saying he's not in a movie again. Yeah, pretty much. Also, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there. I thought Miles was going to show up. No, I was... You guys know, I was pretty certain all along that we weren't going to see Miles Morales. And this Sony is very happy with Miles Morales being in animated form right now. So I wasn't expecting that. But that was obviously an Easter egg, right? That was obviously a wink to the audience. We said, well, whatever. Yeah, But I thought it was great. and was saying, man, come from... uh you know, coming from where you come from, helping helping poor people, blah, blah, blah. I just figured you were black. Oh, well, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. I mean, that was obviously a wink and an homage to Miles Morales, right? But no, I was pretty certain we weren't going to see Miles in this. All right, next up. Uh, Tim Platt writes, dear Marvel and Sony, please don't take this away. You can make it work. I believe in you. I'm going to disagree with you, Tim. I think the best thing for Spider-Man now is to take him into the Sony-verse. I really do. I f- 100% honestly do. I think they have played out his story. Now they may still keep him in the MCU and they'll, and I'm sure they'll do very good things with them. I'll be excited for it, but I honestly think there's a lot of interesting possibilities you can do with him. Now, if you bring him over to the Sonyverse. also, I don't think we'll have to wait to get a Spider-Man movie every three years. If we bring him over there, like you got to understand in Marvel, Marvel's getting really super crowded because now they're making like 3 or 4 movies a year and like all these TV series and now on top of all that they've got Fantastic 4 coming, they've got all the X-Men coming with their 55,000 different characters that that brings over with it as well. They're expanding their catalog into a lot of their more B and C level characters. We've got Moon Knight coming, we got She-Hulk coming, we got Ms. Marvel coming. We've I mean everything's coming. Spider-Man is going to get pushed to the side in the MCU. I think if you now bring him over into Sony, and I know that's the unpopular opinion, but often the right opinion is the unpopular one, Uh, and who knows if I'm right or not. I'm just saying that you bring him now into the Sony-verse, Spider-Man gets a lot more attention. That's that's beyond debate. Like, you can't debate that part. You can debate whether it'd be good or not to have him here or there, but if he does come over into Sony, there's no debating. We will get a lot more attention on Spider-Man. And I think we'll get more Spider Man. Like, I think over the course of the next five years, we would get more Spider Man movies than we would otherwise. And as of today, I still think Sony has made the two best Spider-Man movies in Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So I know I'm in the minority here, and I'm perfectly comfortable being in the minority, but I'm actually going to be rooting for Spider-Man to go over to the Sony-Verse because I think we'll get more attention paid to him there and not get lost in the shovel, which I think is going to happen in Marvel moving forward. I think a lot of characters are going to get lost in the shuffle, but that's just me. All right, next up. Onrog uh, P. writes, uh, this will be the first time in the MCU that we will see Peter truly make, make it on his own. Loads of possibilities, but to see no one remember him was sad. Yeah, I mean, that was sad. That was an emotional part, but it gives a great reset on the character. Number one, to move forward without any of the Stark technology. And number two, it gives Sony and Marvel the flexibility that they want to make the next one in the MCU. They totally can. If they want to make the next one in the Sony-verse, they totally can. It was a great ending all the way around. All right, next up. Uh, Jarv Snokes writes, as an MIT grad, I love the references. Here's hoping Ned and MJ bump into uh, Riri Williams, I'm sure they will, uh, Ironheart on campus during her show or Black Panther. Well, I don't know if you're going to see Ned, maybe Ned, maybe Jacob Bartolone. I don't think you're going to see Zendaya making a quick cameo appearance in Ironheart, which is another thing they've got coming, but bumping into Ned that is something they could easily do jar of snokes that's a good one all right uh next up on p writes also toby and andrew uh in instantly were their peter parkers absolutely they never missed a beat they were totally their own peter parkers when they came in there uh steven wolf writes uh where are we at here by the way okay Stephen wolf writes um, Hi, John. There is a rumor today that Tobey Maguire was supposed to die in the scene where he was stabbed by Goblin, but Kevin Feige had the scene reshot because he loved the chemistry between Tobey and Andrew that he wanted them for a future Marvel uh, project. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Bullshit. It's total bullshit. Uh, And I'll, I'll tell you why it's bullshit. Do you think that Kevin Feige never read the script before they shot the movie? Do you think Kevin Feige didn't you know, have all that. And that, wait a minute, you guys, you guys killed Toby. Well, I I can't have that. Well, Kevin Feige knew the whole time, right? So I think they probably had an option to, to have him die or not and all that kind of stuff. But the, but the reality is that Spider-Man doesn't belong to, to Kevin Feige. That would ultimately be Sony's decision. Because you guys got to remember, even though Marvel produced this, Sony had approval over everything. If Sony wanted Toby to die, then Toby dies. If Sony wanted Toby to not die, then they would never approve them killing him off. And if Kevin Feige had wanted Toby to live, then he would have known that from the first moment that he read the first draft of the script, right? Toby like Kevin Feige didn't just magically find out, "Oh, wait a minute, I didn't know you guys were going to kill Toby. I had no idea. Well, no, he would have known the whole time. So I personally don't buy that. Uh, I I don't buy that thought at all. I don't buy that opinion or that uh, rumor at all. All right, next up. Uh, Peter writes, seeing movie on Friday at 610 in IMAX game day. I hope you had a good time in IMAX. That would have been a great format to see it in. I think my next viewing of it will be in IMAX as well. Uh, Rashawn Thomas writes, John, this movie is crazy good. My theater exploded when Andrew came on screen and again with Toby. This movie was amazing. Amazing Spider-Man. Hashtag Spider-Man forever. Bring on the filthy. You know, It was great to be in a theater and having everybody so excited and being in, in a theater where you had audiences gasping together and laughing together and cheering together I mean it's just the magic of the movies man and it was so good to be a part of that Rashawn, right JPQ writes uh this movie reminded me of a, a of a blues, <laughs> blues reunion which I they did do that right like the guy came back for one thing I thought to kind of explain his, anyway whatever um diggle dig uh, Digovi writes. Andrew really stole the movie for me loved it he really deserves an Oscar for these interviews over the past year that is a common theme right like if if yeah Tick Tick Boom was great but it's Andrew Garfield's best performance by an actor with all of his denials of being in Spider-Man No Way Home he truly did a great job of that alright and I agree he kind of stole the movie Cutter Hale writes well I lost the bet Matt drinks Matt drinks in me before huh well I lost the bet Matt drinks in me before matrix four have never been so happy to be wrong in my life. RIP mate, Toby, Andrew defoe. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is. We're talking about Cutter Hale, but the movie was fantastic and I had a blast with it. All right, next up, uh, Tim Platt writes still can't over Ned being able to open portals. I thought that was so great. Uh, do you think that leads to something or is that gone with his memories of Peter? Without him knowing Peter, he never would have met Dr. Strange. So I don't know. But here's the interesting thing. Remember Ned said that we always suspected there was magic in my family. And some people are saying, oh, he was only able to open the portal because he had the sling ring. But remember, Dr. Strange looked at him and was like, wait a minute, you were able to open it? It's not just like, oh yeah, well, of course you are able to open it. You had a sling ring on. He looked at Ned kind of confused, like you were able to open that? And then that shot of... Ned coming down to the ground wearing the cape. I don't think we've seen the last of Ned as a sorcerer. I don't know anything, but I don't think we've seen the last of Ned as a sorcerer. I'm I'm just going to kind of throw that out there and kind of leave it at that. By the way, once again, Sony is so killing it this year. Like between this movie, No Way Home Ghostbusters Afterlife, which, I mean, a lot of people, including me, had some big doubts about doing a Ghostbusters reboot at this point or, like, a return to Ghostbusters at this point. They absolutely crushed uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I am personally a major, major fan of the Venom films. I think the Venom films are great and fun. So this is this is truly Sony's year. This really is Sony's year. Anyway, that's just me. All right, next up. Um, Kyle... Beckworth writes "Uh, the look between Toby and Tom when Tom was about to kill Green Goblin and Toby stopped him. That was so well done. Totally agree. That was a great moment too. number one, that this kid who just lost his only family uh, and he wanted to kill this dude that he was going to do it. And the fact that one of the other Spider-Men stopped him. I thought that was a great moment in the movie. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Let's see. Tim Platt writes I'm, I'm a really good lawyer. I was fired up after that line loan. It was, a re- again, not a lot of sense, but it was very, very funny. All right, Remmer Bulldog writes, No Way Home is amazing. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Again, I think my sp- favorite Spider-Man of the, definitely my favorite Spider-Man of the MCU movies, not my overall favorite Spider-Man, but it was great. Uh, Dustin Barton writes, the moment Andrew caught MJ before all the tears, uh, the moment he had with her brought his story full circle for me, my new favorite Spider-Man film. I mean, it was a great moment. You know, a callback. I mean, that's a good example, too, about how even not great movies can have great moments. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is not a great movie, but it had great moments in it. And I thought that moment of the death of Gwen Stacy was a iconic one of a top seven, a top seven, or maybe even top five moment of any Spider-Man movie. I thought that scene of the death of Gwen Stacy is one of the best moments in any Spider-Man movie, even though it was in a not great overall movie. For them to hearken back to that in this, I thought it was a great choice and I thought it worked really, really, really well. All right, uh, next up. Uh, let's see, Josh Becker writes, holy shit, the movie was so damn good and I haven't heard an audience that loud in forever. I loved it when Andrew came in, uh, came in and Tom's new suit, uh, Godly. I, again, it's been a while since I've heard that kind of energy in a movie theater. It's I mean, since the pandemic began, I mean, I've been in some good movie theaters, but I haven't felt that kind of energy enthusiasm in a movie in in years. I mean, at least since the the pandemic began, it was really great to be in and be a part of. All right. Next up, Uh, John Redcorn writes after No Way Home. I am 100 percent convinced whether it's in the MCU or Sonyverse, Miles Morales is coming. Book it. It's a matter of when, not if. P.S. Love the movie. Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. I mean, eventually. Somewhere down the line, sure, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Sony is having too much success with Miles Morales in animated form in the Spider-Verse, and they're going to keep him right there. I mean, you saw the reaction that just the trailer for the new movie that isn't coming for a long time got online, right? Like everybody is stoked about this movie. And right now, so now, eventually will it happen? Absolutely, eventually. Eventually anytime soon i don't think so uh it's we're, we're talking a, ma- a matter of a lot of years before we see that happen at least that's that's my guess we'll go from there all right uh next up uh let's see john record rush writes i guess venom 3 is how he gets back to the mcu um i don't think he's going back to the mcu but i mean you never know could be all right vincent taylor writes the way Spider-Man No Way Home ended made me feel like Tom Holland isn't done as Spider-Man. I think there's going to be a four, five, and six. Well, listen, whether it's in the MCU or in the Sony-verse, I've never believed for a second that Tom Holland is done as Spider-Man. I don't believe that for a second. He may very well be playing Spider-Man in the Sony-verse. He may very well be playing Spider-Man in the MCU. Either way, it's going to be Tom Holland. The next time we see Spider-Man on screen, it's going to be Tom Holland. I have no doubt about that. I do not believe for one second that he's going anywhere as Spider-Man. I've never believed that he's going anywhere and I certainly don't believe it now. All right, next up. Was that Vince? Yes, that was Vince. Next up, uh, Jack O'Lantern Audio writes, they did it, John. They brought back Daredevil and Kingpin. Did your theater go wild when Toby and Andrew showed up? Mine did. Uh, even Eddie and Venom's uh, brief appearance uh, was well-received. I love this movie. Yeah, here's the thing. When Eddie shows up on screen, everybody got excited, but I felt a bit of disappointment from everybody when he just shows up to just disappear. So, yeah, I felt excitement in my theater when he showed up, but then a little bit of a, what, what, wait, what? So they literally had that just so he could show up for and sit at a bar. By the way, did you see who who the bartender was? Did did you guys recognize who the bartender was he was talking to? I'll give you a hint. Football is life. Danny Rojas. Danny, Danny Rojas. It was was Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso. Danny Rojas. I was honestly waiting for him to say football is life to to Tom, but he didn't, of course. But I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Last question, guys, before we are going to... um, take a short break. Cause we've been going for well over an hour and a half. I got to run, and use the bathroom. So we're going to do one more question and then we're going to take a brief break here. Uh, and we're going to take this last one from, uh, Jack O'Lantern who writes, I love that the drama came from Spidey wanting to help the villains and the personal moments, Toby, pardon me, the personal moments that Toby uh, and Andrew had with them, Peter, my boy chills. Yeah, that was a nice line. That was, I mean, again, Molina killed it in this movie. Like Defoe was awesome, uh, Jamie Fox was great. Uh, everybody, was, uh, but uh, man, Molina really, really killed it for me. He absolutely did. Okay, guys, uh, hang tight, would you? We're gonna take about a three or four minute break here. I'm gonna refill my drink. I'm also gonna run use the bathroom. You guys can talk amongst yourselves. Run, grab some to eat. Run, use the bathroom yourself. Do whatever it is you need to do, but don't go anywhere, guys, because we will be right back. All right, everybody, and we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence. As I took a little bit of a break there to refill my drink and get rest, we still got another like hour to go or so. So let's keep going here, shall we? Next up. Uh, where are we at? We are going to continue on here with, where did we leave off? Oh no, I got right down to the bottom accidentally. Hold on a second. Let me get caught up to where we were supposed to be here. Okay. We are supposed to be right around here, I think. Um, where are we? Okay. We read that one. Sorry. I got lost in my document. MIT grad. We had that, had Stephen Wolf, Parker, uh, my theater explode and Andrea, this mirror of blues clues. We had that one. They look between Tom we about to kill. Oh, yeah, we did that one. Where did we leave off here? Just Dust in the Moment, Andrew Cotton. Cut- oh, yeah, we had that. Uh, John Redcorn, Jackal. That's where we left off. Okay, next up, I believe, is Cam K. All right, Cam K writes To me, this creates uh, a trifecta. I can't put one over another. Therefore, Spider Man 2, Into the Spider Verse, and No Way Home are tied for my favorite. I mean, look, there are three. Fantastic movies, right? They are three fantastic movies, and it did. And look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which one we rank over the other. Like it doesn't matter that you know you might put Spider verse as your favorite, or No Way Home is your favorite, or Spider Man Two is your. Fa- at the end of the day, what we all agree upon is that these are fantastic movies, and that this one did a great job. No Way Home completely crushed it. Did a fantastic job with it, and uh, I think we can at least most of us at least can agree on that. All right, next up. John K. writes, Eddie didn't know Pete was Spider-Man, uh, but maybe Venom did somehow through connected consciousness or something. He had said he'd observed a lot of shit. Wait a minute. Did did Topher Grace's Venom not know? I Listen, I'm, I'll be straight up honest with you. It has been a while since I watched Spider-Man 3. It's, it's been a while. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I thought that Topher's Venom knew that he was that. Huh? Maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe I'm wrong. I I thought he did know. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I'll just have to go with you on that one, John, because it's it's been at least probably a decade since I've seen Spider-Man 3. All right, next. A bunch of guys in the live chat are saying, yes, he did know. Okay, so he did know. That that makes it make sense. All right, next up. Uh, William, uh, William Grass writes, I loved it. I will say my favorite Spider-Man movie, just above Spider-Man 2. One thing that really ticked me off, even though COVID had a part, was Sandman going back to normal was reused from Spider-Man 3. Was it? They didn't... Are you sure they didn't shoot that new? Like, are you saying that it's like what was in Spider-Man 3? Are you saying it was a recycled shot? I, If it was... That's interesting that they did. It's an interesting choice since they didn't have to do that, but whatever, who cares? I mean, it's just, it's whatever. The story was the story. So it doesn't really matter to me, William. All right, next up. Ken K writes, uh, it's very possible. Strange didn't fully understand the consequences of the corrupted spell and that it could be just bringing people with a strong connection to Spider-Man as opposed to who knew his ID. Yeah, that's possible too. We were talking about that a little bit earlier, right? Like, Strange was only theorizing that anybody who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man is being brought into this universe, but he might've been off a little bit, right? It could just be strong connection. Might be. But then again, Tom Holland's Venom has no connection to Spider-Man, right? So that wouldn't explain that. I don't know. Who knows? All right. Cam K. Oh, so that was Cam K. All right. Uh, Mikey Kostorf writes, Definitely the most reactive I've seen a crowd in any movie. Uh, even more than Endgame. Uh, not more than Endgame for me. Uh, from beginning to end, from Daredevil to Toby and Andrew and Venom. Listen, don't get me wrong. The audiences I've seen this with had great reaction. But it, I'm not going to say it paled in comparison. But it was not on the same level. At least any of the multiple times that I saw them. It wasn't on the same level as like Endgame. Like when Mionir flies past everybody and Captain America catches Mionir or Black Panther comes walking through the the portals with the on your left scene. or uh, Yeah, I'd say, I mean, look, but we're all, we all are in different movie theaters, right? Like every movie theater's reaction is different. I'm just gonna say for me, I think the reactions from Endgame were probably a little bit stronger, but I think this was a better movie than Endgame. Like then again, I don't think Endgame is a top five MCU film but I, I would think this was a better movie than Endgame. I don't think it had the same reactions, but I think it was a better movie than Endgame. All right, next up. Uh, let's see here. John K. writes, got out six hours ago, still sad over an ending, sets up classic Spider-Man stuff, but still absolutely heartbreaking. Hopefully, Zendaya's MJ will return one day. Oh, I'm sure she will. Look, that ending, and again, whether it's in Sony's verse or MCU, doesn't matter. That ending just set up a new storyline for future Spider-Man films when Spider-Man reveals back to her or she remembers who Peter is, right? This is just the end of this movie. It's not the end of their story. That's important to make a distinction. It was the end of the movie. It's not the end of the story. So it'll be interesting to see what they set up from there. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Atreyu uh, ruin writes, Dr. Strange said that only people that knew who Peter is were coming through. Did Venom know Peter Parker before he came through? Again, we were talking about that already about, um, um about even if Dr. Strange may have been right or wrong. Because remember, Dr. Strange is still kind of theorizing a little bit. So that's part of it too. But then we also talked about the different possibilities of how Venom may have come through. All right. Cam K writes, uh, therefore, Electro gets brought in and I don't know where we're leaving this off from. Um, Therefore, electric gets brought in and venom through his hive mind knowledge across universes or more than just people related to Spider-Man merged. Maybe. I mean, it's an interesting theory, but it is funny how us Marvel fans and let, let look, can we just be honest? Let's just be honest here for a moment. Shall we? We Marvel fans are some of the worst, and I include myself in this. Us Marvel fans are some of the worst when it comes to a clear logic problem or plot hole in a Marvel movie. We are some of the worst that will scramble to try to come up with an excuse for why it makes sense. When in reality, now nah, it was just a plot hole. Like I remember that happened a lot in Endgame because even the writers of Endgame said, the writers of Endgame have come out and definitively said, oh yeah, we've got some plot holes in our movie. We definitely have some plot holes in our movie, right? But us MCU fans, that, that's not good enough for us. We will make up every twist. We will come up with ways for it to try to make sense, right? Instead of just saying, oh, yeah, that's a little bit of a plot hole or that's a little bit of a logical. That's fine. It's a movie. It's not real life. It's a movie. We'll let it go. Right. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, us DC fans also do that or Harry Potter fans also do. But I mean, I just feel like us Marvel fans, like we are the most desperate to try to pretend like a plot hole isn't actually a plot hole. And I think we're all guilty of it. Right. But again, with the Venom stuff, who knows there could be a lot of different explanations. It would have been nice if they tried to present one, but they didn't. And that's perfectly fine. All right. Next up. Um, Let's see. Where do we at here now? Okay. We are at uh, Isaac. Meckler, who writes, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out the year I was born, 2002. Uh, so this movie felt like the culmination of my entire journey life with Spider-Man. I absolutely loved it. My favorite Spider-Man movie. I'm glad you did. And again, it reminds me a lot of that guy who wrote in last week that said his dad took him to see Spider-Man in 2002. And that him and his dad and his son are now going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. It's that kind of continuity stuff, Isaac, that is really, really special. All right. Elizabeth Gerardo writes, this film finally brought what I was missing from the comic book cinema experience, the cheers. I'm still vibrating with joy. Again, it's been a while. I mean, with the COVID and everything, it's been at minimum two years. Since we've been in a theater like that to have that type of thing. I mean, Shang-Chi was great. Listen, I'll say the unpopular. I actually think Shang-Chi is an even better movie than Spider-Man No Way Home. But, you know, Shang-Chi didn't have packed theaters. Shang-Chi didn't have nostalgia. Or a lot of those fan service things that you could bring. Or the packed theaters. Like this, what we experienced in No Way Home was like something we haven't got to experience in a movie theater in a long time. Cause not only does it have the continuity of 20 years of these movies being made and the fan service of bringing in these characters from previous things. And it had packed movie theaters for audiences to, to react together. And this is something we haven't had in forever. It's just something we have not had in forever. And for me as a movie fan, as a lifelong movie fan sitting there, for the first time in a couple of years, to be a part of an audience like that and experience and the, and the shared energy and that shared high tense emotional experience with an audience, it it was so good to have again, man. It was so good to have again. All right, next up. We got Cam K who writes, I will say this. Movies should make it so the audience doesn't have to use headcanon to fix logic flaws. I was just kind of suggesting that. Now, that being said, no way home logic flaws can be fixed. I mean, look, at the end of the day, as Look, logic flaws and little plot holes, they happen in most movies. The, the, the thing is, are they logic flaws that make the main narrative make no sense? As long as it's not a logic flaw that completely um, discredits the entire main narrative, then you can overlook them, right? Like little things like, like Venom showing up. Okay, maybe it's a little bit inconsistent with what they explain in the rest of the film. Maybe, but even if it is, does that really debunk the entire narrative? Does that debunk the entire narrative of Spider-Man No Way Home? The answer is no. It doesn't debunk the entire narrative of Spider-Man No Way Home. Most movies will have some little logic flaws, and some, and they're, they're, but the question is, do they have the types of plot holes and narratives that just kind of make the movie make no sense? And I don't think Spider-Man No Way Home had any of those. It had a fair share of smaller ones, yes, but I don't think they had any that like derail the entire narrative. At least that's my take on it. All right, next up. Cam K also writes, Anyways, I love the movie. Looking forward to the future of the MCU and Spider-Man in it. Keep up the great work, John. Much respect from Spider-Cam K. Well, thank you so much, man. And yes, I, the movie was so thoroughly enjoyable. I had such a good time. I can't wait to go back and watch it again. Thanks for writing that in, Cam. Next up, Elizabeth Girardo writes, at the end of the film where Spidey is swinging through New York City, it looked like the it came right straight out of Hawkeye special, sp- especially with the skate rink coincidence with the Daredevil Kingpin reveal on the show film. You know what, Elizabeth, when he was swinging, I don't know about you guys, but honestly, um, I was expecting to see a Rogers the Musical billboard somewhere. By the way, I, let me ask you guys in the live chat. Did you, I, I did not see one. But that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Did you guys see, or were you expecting to see a Rogers the Musical billboard? I was totally expecting. Now, Rich in the live chat is saying there was one. So a bunch of people are saying it was there. See, I didn't notice it. I was looking for it. I thought for sure we'd see it, but I did not notice. A bunch of people saying, yes, there was a billboard for it there. Saying it was near the beginning. I'll have to go back and watch for it. It was there in the beginning of the movie. All right. I'm going to have to go and and check it out. I'll have to go and uh, double check to see if that's the case. Uh, Okay, let's see. Um... What, hold on a second. Um. Oh, by the way, I missed one from uh, Elizabeth Gerardo. And Elizabeth had also write earlier. Uh, so are we assuming Crystal, football is life, uh, the venom of Holland's universe? Yes, he will become the venom. No, I, I don't know. But man, that would be fun. Uh, otherwise, it was just a really good, good little appearance by him in that. That was pretty cool. All right. Uh. Next up, we got uh Isaac Beebe. Who writes uh, one or two, literally the only thing that would have made this a perfect film for me is if Stan Lee had cameo in it. Obviously they couldn't do that. Uh, It is heartbreaking that he could not have seen or been in this movie considering that uh, Spidey was his favorite of his creations and the character held a very special place in his heart. Imagine a cameo with him, Toby, Andrew and Tom all together. That would have been a tearjerker. I mean, it would have, but let's not forget Stan Lee got to live to see um his Marvel thing become the biggest thing in the world. Like, let's not let's not forget or imagine that oh, if only Stan Lee could have lived to have seen how big his Marvel stuff would have become. No, he did. He got to live to see his Marvel creations almost all come to the big screen, become the number one movie franchise in the world. He got to see multiple iterations of his Spider-Man on screen. Um, He also had that great cameo in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I mean, so yes, it is unfortunate he couldn't be in this one as well. But we're going to think that for every single Marvel movie that comes out moving forward, right? But it's not like he didn't get to see Spidey on the big screen. He did. So, I mean, let's celebrate that. But yeah, it would have been cool, obviously, if he was still with us to do that. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Nick C writes, well, John, it's finally here. And I can openly say tears were in my eyes multiple times. Seeing all three of them together brought back seven-year-old me, which is really cool. I mean, yeah, I think for a lot of people, I, again, my I think my favorite parts of the movie other than Peter saying goodbye to MJ and and not revealing himself to MJ and Ned at the end was probably the the three Spider-Men standing around talking together. Not just because it was the three Spider-Men, but their conversation was actually great, and I love that. All right, Nick C. also writes, I also really enjoyed the development of both Toby and Andrew's versions. Toby really gave me Uncle Ben vibes, and Andrew's pain felt so real. They both knocked it out of the park. Like, honestly, they both walked right back in, picked right up where they left off, uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are like MVPs to me, but, um, yeah, love them. And, and again, I think, I think Andrew Garfield probably has gone from the third most popular Spider-Man. I think he's probably going to go to the most popular Spider-Man after this movie, after his appearance in this movie. All right, next up. And Nick C also writes, my favorite scene of the movie has to be when Toby catches the glider and prevents Tom from making the same mistake he did. Truly felt like he cared. Well, I mean, yeah, but let's remember like in the first Spider-Man, Toby didn't intentionally kill kill him. Like that that was there was a bit of a of an accident nature to that. Uh, to that one there. But yes, it was a powerful moment when he stepped in there to stop him from killing him. Absolutely. All right. Last thing I'll say says Nick, uh, I love how closed yet open the story feels at its ending. Can't wait to see what the future holds. Now that Spider-Man, Spider-Man is here again. I cannot emphasize it enough. My heart sung with joy seeing that we've now got the true Spider-Man gone is the Stark tech Gone is the reliance on the technology. Gone is the Iron Man Jr. stuff. We are now left with Spider-Man. And my heart sung with joy at that. All right. Uh, let's see here. The Darman writes, my new number two favorite Spider-Man film. My best guess for Spider-Man 4 is we see symbiote Spider-Man up against Mr. Negative, uh, Martin Lee, aka he said, um, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not even so sure that there is going to be a Spider-Man 4. But, but we'll see. I mean, it, the way this thing ended could be in the MCU, could be in the Spider-Verse. They left that little Venom thing there, the little symbiote thing there, where it could play a part in the future, but it doesn't... We've seen lots of times where they've done post-credits scenes where it doesn't necessarily lead into anything. So... It, but it leaves doors open. It leaves open doors. All right. Uh, let's see. Michael T. writes, This movie was so good, I forgot the Cox show, shows up. P.S. I am also... I am also to believe that Spider-Man won't get recruited for the Avengers again. Um, uh, I know the implication is he'll be on his own, unknown to the remaining heroes. But when you're thwipping around town, saving lives, somebody's putting a team together is going to want a taste. Well, remember, I think the world remembers that he is in the Avengers. Like the world remembers Spider-Man. Jay Jones still talking about him. So there's no reason why the world wouldn't remember Spider-Man fighting alongside the Avengers. It's just that nobody knows that nobody knows Peter Parker. Peter Parker is wiped from everybody's memories. So to everybody in the Avengers, connected to the Avengers, all that kind of stuff, Spider-Man is just Spider-Man. So whether that goes somewhere or not, we'll finally see. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we've got Black Rice 19 writes, I really enjoyed this film. I only have two Spider-Man, I only have Spider-Man 2 of he- ahead of it. My theater turned into a rock concert when Toby and Andrew came out of the portal. So surreal. And again, man, I live for those moments in movie theaters when, when something happens, that, whether it's Mjolnir flying into Cap's hand or whether it's you know some, a big lightsaber fight breaking out in a Star Wars movie or, or something like that or you know something huge happens in a Harry Potter movie. Having that audience reaction is just the things I live for going to the movies, Black Rice. All right, Yo Pierre writes... Um, uh one of two I loved it even my girl cried and she's just a casual fan I feel so satisfied yet wanting more knowing Venom is coming also if you were Spider-Man what building would you choose to chill on top of I, I mean I don't know who cares Um, now again I don't think is definitive I don't think the ending of that movie is definitive now Venom is coming I, I don't think that's definitive at all I don't think it's definitive at all uh, I think they've they left a piece of Venom there. They left a piece of the symbiote there to be an open door. That's something they now can do if they want. But I don't think it's, they never planned beyond this movie, right? So they left that there as a possibility. But also remember, it's not Venom. Uh, Cletus Cassidy got, um, oh, but you know what? I think, I think earlier in the show, I called him Cassius... Cassius Clay, which is, of course, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Anyway, Cletus Cassidy. When Cletus got a bit, uh, got a little bit of the symbiote in him, the symbiote became its own entity, right? And so my guess is, and it's just a guess, that if they do anything with that piece of the symbiote being left behind, and we don't know that they are, that's not definitive, but if they do, it's not Venom. It's... Much like Carnage became a part of its own, became its own entity, that thing would have to become its own entity as well. Maybe, I don't know. We're all just guessing at this point. I'm just guessing too. All right, next up. Um, let's see. Oh, you to part two. Speaking of Venom, what are your thoughts on the future MCU Venom? Tom Hardy, probably not in the universe. Future of Sony slash Marvel sharing universe. Again, that's the big question in, that's the big question in Hollywood right now. Is what is Sony and Marvel doing moving forward? Are they ending their relationship? Are they continuing with their relationship the way it is? Are they continuing with the relationship with even more merger than before? I and the answer to that is we don't know. We can all guess and speculate and, well, this person said that and that person said another thing. And The reality is we just don't know. Look, when the news came out that they were ending their deal a few years ago, it caught everybody by surprise. When they announced that they extended the deal, it caught everybody by surprise. Nothing that is said in the public or in private means anything. Means anything. So don't be surprised if we find out next week Sony says we are completely ending our deal. Don't be surprised if next week, Marvel says, we have completely extended our deal. At this point, really, anything is on the table, so I honestly don't know which way they're going to go. I think they've got a lot of possibilities. I think there's a lot of money to be made for both of them. Um, So, yeah, we'll see. All right, next up, Black Rice 19 writes, so uh, Spidey is still in the MCU, maybe. Uh, Venom is weirdly out of it sort of (laughs) I hope MJ and Ned uh, never end up remembering Peter to keep the emotional impact of this film well no no at some point remember the movie is done the story goes on that's what everybody look I hope they don't look a movie is one part a movie in the MCU is just one part of the ongoing story of the MCU right this part of the story ends with Ned and MJ not remembering but the story's not over Whether it's in the Sonyverse or whether it's in the MCU or whatever it is, they could come back around to visit this again. And if they do remember later, that does not undo the impact, the emotional impact that happened in Spider-Man No Way Home. I do not understand this feeling that if something changes in a future movie that ruins what happened in a previous movie, it's not, no, the fuck it doesn't. That still happened in that movie. That moment happened, and we had the emotional impact. Listen, when Spider Man comes back in Endgame, did that ruin his death scene in Infinity War? No. I, I mean, I never got a big emotional impact of Spider Man dying in Infinity War because we all knew he's come back anyway, but it was still a powerful, powerful scene. When he comes swinging through the portal in Endgame, well, that totally ruins that scene in Infinity War. No, it didn't. It is still a powerful, powerful scene for that chapter of the story. And I would submit to you, my film loving brother, Black Rice 19, that if in a later film, whether it's in the Sonyverse or in the MCU, that Ned and MJ get their memories back or whatever. And they then remember who Peter is again, that that in no way, shape or form undermines that moment that we had in Spider-Man, no way home. That moment that we had never changes. And I don't think it undoes it. I, I personally don't think it undoes it. That's why I have this argument with people. Like when I tell everybody, look at some point, Robert Downey Jr. is going to come back as Tony Stark. It may not be this year or in two years or in three, but he's going to come back at some point. And whenever I bring that up, people say, well, they better not because that'll ruin the ending of Endgame with that big emotional death scene. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change a thing about it. That moment happened and we experienced it. And that experience that we had when Tony dies, that is with us forever. It doesn't matter what they do in the MCU moving forward. That moment will always be with us forever. And if at some point, and I'm sure they will eventually, in whichever cinematic universe it happens in, when MJ or Ned learn again of or regain their memories of Peter, it will not undo the impact that that's, those scenes in No Way Home had. At least that's my personal take on it. You guys may disagree, but that's my personal take on it. All right. Um, let's see. Next up. Uh, Jim X Mafia writes, John, did you notice Mile Easter Egg from Electro? Well, it wasn't really an Easter Egg. It was more of a an eluded reference, right? But yes, uh, I'm sure there's a Black Spider-Man somewhere out there. I mean, I thought that was really fun. All right. Michael Brand uh, Brandy writes, Loved it, John. Hit all the emotions. Andrew showed up again, Why showed again why he is a top actor. Happy to see Toby. Tom and May, wow. A pure Spider-Man moment. Uh, my peeps went wild when Osborne said, I'm something of a scientist myself. I'll tell you what, Michael, I'll tell you what. Of all the fan service and references, that was the one line that didn't work for me. Like even when Doc Ock says, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, like that that worked. Goblin saying, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. That was the one and only moment that I felt like a previous Spider-Man film reference felt really forced. I'm glad you liked it. And I loved Willem Dafoe in this movie. Do not get me wrong. I love Defoe in this movie. But that one line, that was like, uh, that felt like that was the one time it felt like a writer in a room went, you know what? We should have we should have Willem Dafoe say, repeat that line. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. We should, we should, and they was just kind of forced in there. Like when Ox says the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, that made sense for what he was talking about at the moment, right? It just it felt natural that one felt forced. So out of everything else that Goblin did in that, which I thought Goblin was amazing in this movie, but that is the one thing that I felt I kind of could have done without. But whatever, that's just me. All right, next up. Uh, Abraham Ruiz Ruiz writes, um, with his new suit at the end, I think Marvel is now telling that he's shed the Iron Man Jr. mantle, even though I didn't really mind it. Well, really, it's more Sony telling everybody That he's shedding that. Well, it's Sony and Marvel together. But yeah, I agree. That was a clear message that was being sent. Showing that sewing machine, the new costume, to me, that was Sony and Marvel telling the audience, whichever way they go, this is a new Spider-Man. This is no longer the Iron Man Jr. Spider-Man. This is the Spider-Man, the way you've always wanted to see him. At least the way I've always wanted to see him. So I agree. I think they were kind of sending that message at the end. All right. Uh, Next off. Uh, Sean RB writes, Ben Affleck's Daredevil, uh, A Missed Opportunity MCU. I thought it would have been fun to have, to have Ben. Look, and I don't care what anybody else says. I like the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Fuck all ya, you don't like. it. That's, it's all subjective. I'm, there's many people who don't like it. And that's totally cool. But me, I don't care what anybody thinks. I think that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie is really fun. And I think if you take out that god-awful teeter-totter sequence which is one of the worst sequences in the history of comic book movies. I think if you take that out of it, Daredevil, Ben Affleck's Daredevil is a great comic book movie. I mean, it is in there, so it just makes, but I like it and I don't care. I don't give a shit. If you like it or not, I like it. And I ain't going to change. I don't care if that's the unpopular opinion or not. I have fun with that Ben Affleck Daredevil. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up, Uh, Joshua Riley writes, Hey, John, absolutely love this movie. Probably among my top three favorite MCU films and favorite not titled Avengers. Uh, audience cheered when Charlie, Toby, and Andrew appeared. Yeah, it was a big crowd moment. It was great. Man, I, I, I mean, it doesn't make it into my top three MCU, but it probably makes it into my top five. And, and I would put it above Avengers Endgame and above Avengers Infinity War. Uh, Maybe I'd have to think about the Infinity War one a little bit, but I mean, I I would put it above Endgame. If not above, I put it very close with Infinity War. Like I still have some other MCU movies above it. Like obviously the original Avengers, Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier, Shang-Chi. Yeah, so I still have a number of MCU films above it, but I would put it above I would put it above a couple of Avengers movies. I would put put it above Age of Ultron. I would put it above Endgame. Um I would put it above the original Doctor Strange. I would put it above I mean there's a lot of MCU movies I think this is better than. It's it's a great movie. They really crushed it with it in my opinion. All right, next up. Matthew Grant writes. When MJ and Ned uh, go hug Peter on the roof. Oh my god. I mean I love I love that whole scene on the roof. That is I think going to be a very underrated scene in that movie. I think a lot of people are going to talk a lot about this movie. I don't think a lot of people are going to talk about that rooftop scene. It's one of my favorites in the movie. All right. Boris uh, Nekakovsky writes, once fleshed out, the shot in the trailer where he tells MJ he's had one good week because of her, but explains it's because everyone he cared about knew was really sweet. It made me feel bad for him. Again, that is a powerful thing. Right? Especially when you consider... Like Dr. Strange pointed out, don't forget, he's still a kid. I mean, granted, he's about to be a college student or at least college age, but he's still a kid. And the idea of losing that connection with everybody had to have been horrible. Had to have been just horrible for him to even ponder that, right? And so that's a big deal. Big enough deal that he should have had license to risk the lives of everybody else on earth just so he can do what he wants to do and try to save these villains. I don't think so, but still like this notion that these connections that he has made in his life are are suddenly going to be gone. That is powerful stuff. And I thought they played that part. I thought they played that off really well. All right. Uh, Joshua Riley writes, uh, what do you think the ending and mid credit scene means for the future of Spider-Man and the MCU? Could we see Venom and Doctor Strange too? No, I don't think so. Um, honestly, I, I don't know. Look, I honestly think the ending of this movie was designed Because remember, they didn't shoot this movie two days ago. They shot this movie and wrapped it like over a year ago. I think the ending of this movie is brilliantly drafted by Sony and Marvel to end in such a way and i've said this before already today that they can now logically go in either direction nobody in the mcu even remembers peter parker it would be a very easy transition now just to bring him into the into the sonyverse however he's physically still in the sony or in the in the marvel universe right now so it would be totally logical for them to continue with him there too marvel and sony had so much like They put a lot of forethought into this, and they left this movie in the perfect place where they can do either now. They left themselves, and again, I said the magic word before, is flexibility. They have left themselves, they didn't paint themselves into a corner. They left themselves with a world of flexibility. So this now can narratively, logically go either direction. it would be perfectly logical and easy for them to bring into the Sony-verse, totally logical to keep it in the MCU. They've got a world of opportunity and options open to them now. So we'll we'll ultimately now see what happens. As far as Venom goes, I don't they I don't think they had a plan. I think they simply left a piece of the symbiote there. Again, there's the word flexibility. Leaving that piece of the symbiote there gives them the flexibility to make some creative choices later or not. Right? It just gives them an open door. It gives them the opportunity to do something in if they want and the opportunity to do many different things depending on where they go from here. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. Next up. Uh, we've got, uh, Craig Hurst who writes, hello, John, uh, Kim and chef pleasures. Uh, did y'all enjoy the big surprises? Where do, did you see the MCU going with the venom cliffhanger at the end theory? It will be Ned. Um, he gave that line to Peter earlier about not going evil and then this thoughts. No, I really don't think he's going to go. evil. I, I don't think him giving that line to Peter was a foreshadowing of Ned going bad, like at all. I don't think that's what they were foreshadowing in the least. Um, again, I don't know. I, I, I think either way, it's not Venom. Venom went back with Tom Hardy. A piece of this, what we learned in Venom 2 is if a piece of the symbiote breaks off and goes into somebody else, it becomes a totally different entity. In Cletus Cassidy became Carnage. In the MCU, if they use it at all, which again, they may not, it probably would be something else. But, but again, I don't think anything is written. I don't even think they know what they're doing with it. I think when they shot this thing and set it up, I think it was just set up to give them flexibility. So we'll see. All right. Uh, next up. Hammy reacts, writes, love seeing Tom Holland go from boy to spider man. I agree. You, we did get to see that evolution in him. Didn't we? He is now truly spider man. Hammy reacts also writes "Rewatched three Spidey swing in land during final battle on YouTube. Uh, made me shed a tear of joy was in total on disbelief throughout loved. A G entry. I don't know what a G is. Oh, you probably mean Andrew Garfield. Yeah, the entry was great because, again, I mentioned this earlier. Even though I fully expected Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I wasn't expecting that to be Andrew when once he came through the portal and pulled off the mask. So it's still, even though I was expecting him to show up in the movie, I was still surprised in that moment, which is great. All right, pretentious Cameron writes, "I enjoyed my experience overall. I think the first half was a little messy, but the last forty-five minutes was really well done." Uh, was really well done. I agree. And listen, I'll go so far as to say this. I had heard a bunch of people, and look, let's just be honest. Let's not be those those, you know, those kinds of movie fans that we go, well, I like this movie, so we can't say anything is anything other than perfect. Since we like this movie, we have to say everything in it is perfect. Let's not be like that. I'll be honest with you. I had read a lot of reactions saying that the first half of the movie is a little uneven and, and maybe a little messy or or whatever. Right. And I mean, I hadn't seen it yet at the time. So when I was watching the first half of the movie, it was, it was good, but I remember thinking this isn't great so far. Like it's good. I'm enjoying this. Like, I, I really liked that rooftop scene again in school. I thought that was a beautiful moment. Uh, Peter, you know, the chaos of now the world knows that he's Peter Parker. Um, The introduction of, I still liked, you know, you know, Peter, you and I traveled across the galaxy to save the world together. I think we're beyond, sir. Right. I, I liked all that stuff, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was good. It was, it was fine. I wasn't not like, I was liking it very much, but it was, yeah, it was, it was all right. It was good. I was liking it, but it wasn't great. Um once you get into a little bit into the second act, maybe even closer to to near the 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 second part of the second act, that's where it really starts to to find its footing for me. That's when it really starts to sing. And and it's not about Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield showing up, right? It's not about Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire showing up. Um, Not in the least It's really more about uh, How do I put this It's really more about That they really started to feel And identify What the story How it was really all coming together Right How the story was really all coming together how that all, all works together. How all that, how the character interactions were coming together, how Peter was really starting to wrestle with the questions at hand and the dilemma at hand. It was, it was that it wasn't just, Oh yay, Peter and Toby are there. Who cares? It's that it's the story, the meat of the story really started to take root. And the second half saying, so yes, I completely agree. That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, the way that all came together. And, and again, I agree with you. The The first half, a little bit messy. I agree. The first half was a little bit messy, but it, it worked. Because again, here's the other thing too the first half of the film becomes less messy and becomes more fo- focused as the second half happens cuz you see how the first half played into it right so it's like the second half of the film actually made the first half of the film more solid anyway that that's just kind of my take on it um anyway th- th- anyway so by the way uh, thank you to a bunch of guys in the uh, in the live chat who pointed out cuz i'm just I've, I've already read probably about 100 questions today But I just noticed, when Craig Hurst sent in his question about theory, uh, the theory about uh, Ned, I totally missed that Craig um, sent in like a $200 super chat. Thank you for that, Craig, and supporting our channel. You know what? Seriously, let me just say this. Um, I hear people around YouTube say all the time that... YouTube viewers are totally cheap. YouTube viewers don't do anything other than they'll watch a video, but they feel they're just entitled and they, they don't feel they they should do anything to like help that exist. Right. And there is a reason why YouTube contacted me a while ago and asked me, this is true and asked me if they can use my channel as an example and use it in their training videos to teach their upcoming creators stuff. Because what I have said forever, and a lot of people never believe me, but it's true. When you make content that people enjoy and people engage with, they want to support that content. I know I have content creators that I watch and I absolutely support because they're giving me content on a daily basis. And I said, and I've told people this, I've told other YouTube creators this. I said, do not believe for a second the lie that YouTube viewers do not want to support the content that they enjoy to consume. YouTube viewers like to support the content they enjoy watching. They, they want to be a part of that. They want, hey, look, if you put out something that they enjoy watching, they feel they benefit from or be, are entertained by, they want to support it. And everybody's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. And I th- yes, they do. And you guys, the viewers of the John Campion Show, you guys prove that every fucking day. Every day. And sometimes we get people who are like, you know what, I just, I watched I literally had a guy write to me not long ago Who told me, you know what, John, I I went through like a three month, really bad stretch where like everything in life was terrible. But every day I looked forward to watching the John Campion show and that show and engaging in the live chat with everybody in the live chat that got me through those months. And like, here's this. And they sent me like $500. Like, you don't have to do that. He said, no, no, man, this I just want to support. I want to make sure this show does that for other people, too. And when I look and see somebody like Craig who like wants to support this show on that level because they like the content. I'm reminded of that, and I'm incredibly honored by that. So thank you to you, Craig, and to everybody who proves all the naysayers wrong. That, yeah, YouTube audiences, if they like and are engaged and your content means something to them, they want to support it. And they don't believe it, but it's true. And thank you guys for proving that every single fucking day. So thank you so much for that, Craig. We really appreciate it, man. All right. Uh, and I do, I do think we're going to see Ned as a sorcerer at some point. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, let's see where are we at? Uh, Sid Sidharth Siddharth Sidharth Shriram writes, uh, "Hi, Wise John, Chef Ray, and uh, by the way, can we leave out the fucking uh, like the the flirtatious stuff with Kim? I had to put up a post about this the other day um, about." Hey guys, listen, when you refer to Kim, refer to Kim. Like let's, I I know in the mind of guys, we think when we say creepy things that we're just trying to be complimentary. And I have no doubt that uh, Sid, Sid Harth, I have no doubt that your intention is simply to pay a compliment. I have no doubt about that. No doubt at all that all you're intending to do is is send a compliment. But we got to understand that it actually comes across as a little creepy, and it just makes people feel awkward. And I get it. Your heart's in the right place. Totally get it. Part was probably in the right place. And I appreciate that. But like yelling out, oh, sexy Kim and stuff like that. All it does is it, it just makes you come across as creepy. And let's face it, a lot of guys do it. And the intention is probably just to give a compliment. But let's reel that, that shit in. Anyway, uh, 10 out of 10, till May's death. Uh, then No Way Home falters due to fan service. Coolest moments. Charlie Cox... Uh, intro and Tom beating strange with math 13th best MCU film for me. Doc Ock was the funniest. I find it kind of weird that you would say that, um, that no way home falls apart after May's death because of fan service. But then you say the coolest moment was a total blatant, empty fan service moment of Charlie Cox showing up right? So I don't know how you can say that's like one of your favorite moments, but then say that the movie falls apart for you because of fan service. Well, what do you think the Charlie Cox thing was? It was like blatant fan service. He didn't even need to be there in the movie at all. Like Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield needed to be in that movie for the narrative to be what it was. Charlie Cox was not needed in this movie whatsoever. It was still a great fun moment. I enjoyed it, but I'm just saying, I don't know how you c- criticize fan service in the movie, but then say your favorite part was an absolute fan service moment. Anyway, uh, it's, just, it's just me. It's just me. All right. Thanks for writing in your thoughts. So oh, man, all right, next up. Hammy reacts, Writes Daredevil cameo did nothing for me. It felt wasted. I'm not going to say it felt empty to me. Like it was fun. And definitely the line is, how did you do that? And he just says a line that makes no sense. He says, I'm a great lawyer. That is, it was a funny, funny moment. But I I do agree, as opposed to Toby and Andrew, who were needed to be in that movie for the narrative to be that it was, Charlie Cox wasn't needed in this movie. He didn't need to be there. That was just a pure fan service thing. It still worked. Like, it was just a momentary thing, and it was just for a good, funny line. And it worked for me. But you're right. It, it, was, it wasn't necessary to be in there, unlike Toby and, and Andrew. All right. Reggie Phoenix writes, Um... Let's see. Um Reggie Phoenix writes. Uh why was Electro there? Wasn't the catalyst that everyone knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man? He was surprised when Andrew unmasked and was Caucasian. Bring on the filthy. I I'll be honest with you. I again, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um I I really have no recollection of of ugh. How much did Electro know? Because, again, it's been a number of years since The Amazing Spider-Man 2. How much did Electro know or, or didn't know? I I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. So, anyway, there's that. All right, next up. We go to... Um, where are we at? That was Reggie. That was Reggie Phoenix. All right. Uh, Sidorite writes... I really like Toby's, Toby Spider-Man one and two, but Tom and Andrews were the worst parts of no way home. Oh, I disagree with that. Uh, the third act was a bore fest for me. Statue of Liberty fight was a dud. Ned conveniently learning to open portals is lazy writing, uh, to serve the plot. I, I gotta disagree. Like I respect your opinion on that. I do. I respect your opinion on that. We all experience movies, different ways and film is subjective, Uh, but I'll tell you why I disagree respectfully is that um, I thought uh, Andrew was absolutely the best part of the movie, but but that's just me. I thought he had the most emotional hit. Uh, I thought his connection was the most palatable, uh, whatever. I thought the fir- third act was exciting. I mean, it wasn't the greatest action sequence in the MCU by any stretch of the imagination, but I still thought it was good. It was kinetic. It was fun. The portals thing wasn't lazy either. They really laid it out well. They laid it out well about how he came in possession of the sling ring. The fact that it was kind of an inadvertent thing that he kind of did something and noticed the spark and then realized, and that is the function of a sling ring. I mean, that's what the ring does, right? The mystery comes from how did he have the innate ability to do that? And they already kind of dropped a hint of that earlier in the film about he thinks there is a line of sorcery in his, I mean, they didn't word it that way, but they kind of laid the groundwork for that. So I I respect that it hit you a different way and it didn't quite work for you. Totally fair. But for me, I think it did, and that's the reasons why I did what I think why I think it did. But anyway, hey man, this is the great thing about movies. It's all subjective. The art hits us all in different ways, and it hit you a little bit in a different way than it hit me. And I totally respect that. All right, next up. Uh let's see. Uh, Siddharth also writes, uh, is Null the next big bad after Kang? I don't think so. And by the way, I don't even think Kang is the next big bad. I really don't think he is. Uh, Can Bales, Gore, and Null take down Arishem? I don't think so. Uh, who would the three of you like to see cast as Null? Joaquin Phoenix for me. I don't do X actor and X role. thing. Any actor would be fine in as long as they get a great actor. A lot of people have been wondering about that. So like the symbiote God is, is who uh, Sidharth is referring to. The symbiote God. I I mean, look, at, at some point, eventually. At some point, eventually. The MCU is going to have to get into a lot of these different characters. Is that the next place they go? I don't think so. Like, I think there's a lot still. There's a lot of very grounded more stories that you can do with Venom. And all that kind of stuff. I don't think you have to get into Null anytime soon. Do I see them eventually go in there? Probably. But no. Neither. I don't think Gore, nor Null, nor anything else you can throw at them. And I don't think Kang is the next big bad. I think Kang is going to be a more localized villain. Uh, I honestly think the next big threat to the MCU is clearly the Celestials. And and by the way, it's just funny watching everybody in this MCU world walking around. It's like, did anybody not talking about Arashem the Judge just appeared in front of our planet mentioning he's going to come back for judgment? How is nobody in this world talking about it? Anyway, I think it's fairly clear the next truly big threat in the MCU is not Kang. I, I think it's the Celestials. I think it's Celestials and Arashem. And because everything else pales in comparison. Everything else absolutely pales in comparison. So I don't know. I it, it, We'll see. But yeah, I, I think Kang is going to be more like, yeah, I mean, he got introduced in Loki. The concept got introduced in Loki. We're going to see him in Ant-Man 2. And we may even see him in one or two other films. But I do not think he is the next Thanos. And, and I. by the way, no one's telling me that. they. It could be it very well could be. I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if he is. But right now, I think clearly the bigger threat is the, sl- the creators of the universe. Maybe thinking about coming back to just do this and crush the earth and destroy everything and everybody. I, to me, that's the next big threat. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. There's a lot of different possibilities at play, though, right now. All right. Storm Trader writes. Hey John, big fan since AMC. Thank you so much for that, Storm Trader. Appreciate that. Just wanted to say that I like this movie, full of heart, humor, and fan service, though the jokes were a bit too meta for me. I gotta look, there were a couple of moments. Like again, I did not like, I thought the one forced joke that did not work for me so well was Willem Dafoe going, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. It's like, yeah, we get it. Oh, we see he said that line in the other movie. Yeah, we get it. But other than that, I got to say for me, the humor pretty much worked. I, I think I think it wasn't like overt too much. I think it was clever and, and felt rather natural and had some charm to it. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it may, it, pro, humor is a, even the most subjective thing in all of the arts. But I got to say, I thought the humor for me worked. I'll say that. All right. Next up, we got HV3 who writes... I, I thought you right John uh at the end I thought Peter was going to ask Dr Strange what if MJ Ned and I went to another universe to stop them all coming through and that was how he was going to Sony oh listen I thought I honestly thought as we were getting near the end I thought there was a possibility he goes that like, as the cracks were opening in the sky I thought he was going to say send me away send me away so if people are coming to this universe because everybody knows Peter is is Spider-Man, then take me out of the equation, send me into another universe entirely, or or something like that, right? But if they did that, and that's, that's what I thought they would do. But now having seen the movie, I realize that if they had done that, they would have painted themselves into a corner. When they shot this movie over a year ago, they probably did not know what the nature of the Sony Marvel agreement was going to be in a year. What kind of progress would we make? What kind of progress would we lose? Like whatever, how much headway do we make in making our deals? Right. And if they had ended this movie doing what I kind of thought they would do, which is just have Dr. Strange just send Spidey into a Dunder universe, AKA the Sonyverse, Well, then that paints them into a corner. Now that's what they have to do after the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. By ending this movie the way that they did, they've given themselves all the flexibility in the world. Now they can easily go over to the Sonyverse, or they can easily keep him in the MCU. And honestly, I think what they did was much better and much smarter than what I thought they were going to do. And of course, because it's Kevin Feige and and the folks at Sony, they came up, I think they came up with a great ending to this movie, and it gives them all the flexibility in the world. All right, Uh, next up. Uh, Let's see. Vault of the Future writes, I had edibles beforehand. Really big (laughs) surprise. Don't laugh. I got another buddy of mine who told me they ate some edibles before going to it. Increases the movie incredibly. All right. Hero 75 writes, one of six. What surprised me most of, of all about No Way Home is how much it hit me that MJ didn't remember Peter and I am convinced that when they do another movie that they will be solved by the end. And here's where I may go off the deep end. But I believe Venom is the key to that. Uh, that little bit uh, of Venom wasn't pulled back in the mid credit scene. So I theorize that the spell doesn't work on him and that the full Venom was only pulled back uh, because he was attached to a human. Symbiotes have been shown to retain the memories of their hosts. Somehow, someway, I believe MJ will get... Uh, bonded with Venom, and that will restore her memory of Peter. Uh, Maybe since this Venom is semi-good, she may even keep it and become a superhero like Peter. Crazy, yes, but I like it. Uh, We had MJ with Venom, I believe, in a a cartoon, so it isn't impossible. Thanks for listening. All right, uh, Hero75, thanks for sending your theory, man. Listen, I love it. Believable or not, I love it when people send in really well-thought-out theories. I think that's great. I'll I'll say this though. I don't listen if if the spell not only makes people forget that Peter ever existed, but it erases photographs, it erases pictures, it erases written notes, it erases video footage, it erases uh, data on hard drives, it erases public records. I mean, if the spell literally wipes everything out in the universe that can possibly identify that peter parker existed i don't see how they come up with an excuse that the symbiote remembers like if hard drives are erased and video footage is altered and everybody's memories is wiped and written notes and photographs on walls and everything Gets altered and affected by that. I don't see how they say that the symbiote is, is part of that. And just remember, the last time a piece of the Venom symbiote got broke away and attached to another person, it turned into carnage. So let's not assume that it would be a. This would be a good piece of Venom. I I, I don't know. So, uh, I, but again, I love the theory. I think that's a really well thought out theory. It Shows a lot of imagination. So I don't know. Maybe they will. Who knows? All right. Uh, next up. And we only got a couple of minutes left here, guys, but next up, we got Dave, Gabe Campbell. cause my, we've been getting, we're getting close to three hours that we've been going and my voice is starting to go. Uh, Gabe Campbell writes, I've seen it three times and I absolutely love it. Good on you, man. I cannot. I'm going to see it. I'm not going to see it like seven times in theaters like I did with Shang-Chi, but I'll probably see it a good three or four times in theaters. I'm, I'm probably, I've only seen it once so far, but I'm definitely planning on going more times to see it. I'm glad you've had a good time, man. All right. Next up. Uh, James Lockman writes, "Love No Way Home. Spider-Man Two is my favorite, uh, but this might take its spot. I have to digest everything. I just saw first watch. Uh, I I just saw first and watch it a few more times. Yeah, and I think that's a good theory. Like, like I don't want to rush. I try not to rush to say anything. Like when I came out of, um, you know, Eternals, and I like Eternals." I, I don't I didn't love Eternals, but I liked Eternals. I think Eternals is quite solid. But you know, people asked me as soon as I saw it, did you like it more than Shang-Chi? And I'm like, I don't think so, but like give me give me a day or two to kind of digest it a bit first, right? Like I just had the experience. Let me think about it a little bit. And I eventually was like, Oh yeah, clearly I like Shang-Chi more. Um, but I think it's, it's good. Like right now, my first impression is to think, yeah, it, to me, Spider-Man No Way Home is the third best out of the nine Spider-Man films, but let me sit on it for a little bit. I mean, maybe I'll say it's the fourth best, or maybe I'll say it's the second best. I mean, I, I don't know, but right now I kind of feel like it's, I have it very comfortably in the number three spot, like ahead of homecoming and far from home, uh, and the amazing Spider-Man you, and you guys know, I really love the amazing Spider-Man. The first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie I love. Like, I love it more than most people do. Uh, But I would put No Way Home above that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, above Homecoming, above Far From Home. But I still have it below Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2. But that's where I'm at. But you're taking a good approach, James, by wanting it to sink in a little bit first. All right. Next up, Dragon 10 writes... Uh, Feige & Co. did a great job of ending MCU Spider-Man's arc and setting up the more traditional Spider-Man status quo that that some fans wanted. I absolutely guarantee. Uh, I absolutely agree. But let's not forget that it wasn't just Feige. This was Feige. The thing about what I think has made this Spider-Man franchise so good is that when you really listen to all the parties involved talk about it, this is truly a collaboration between Sony and Marvel. And... I think the results of this collaboration have been great. So while I do kind of want to see Spider-Man now go into the Spider, into the Sony-verse, I am perfectly happy to also see him stay in the MCU because this collaboration between Sony and Marvel has yielded fantastic results. And I, again, you're right, Dragon 10, I absolutely love the ending. I absolutely love the, end, like everything about the ending. From everybody forgetting Peter, the conversation between Peter and MJ before she loses her memory and after she loses her memory and ending it with Spider-Man being the true Spider-Man once again. That to me was all great. I loved everything about the ending, everything about the ending. All right. uh, Next up. And again, it makes me laugh when I see guys like Kevin R. in the live chat. And all due respect, Kevin R., my film loving brother. But like Kevin R. in the live chat, Sony is garbage and I don't want, guess what? Sony has still made two Spider-Man movies better than any Spider-Man movie the MCU has made. In my opinion, the two best Spider-Man movies are still Sony movies. And they're, they've they been killing it this year. They've been killing it lately. Sony is awesome. I don't care what anybody says. I know it's like its like it's the thing everybody thinks the cool kids say that Sony sucks. They really don't. They've made some great stuff. They've done some great things, and they have still made the two best Spider-Man movies. And let's not forget that Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, while, yeah, they were Marvel Productions, they were done in collaboration with Pascal Films and with Sony. And they're part of what has made these three films so good. And so I get I get it. You think you sound cool saying, Sony sucks, and you think that makes you sound like you get to sit at the cool kids' table. But the reality is they've done some really wicked awesome work. And they've made the best Spider-Man movies They've also made the worst Spider Man movies. We won't forget that either. But yeah, anyway, uh, next up, let's see. Uh, we've got uh, Crowley Ox writes I love this movie. Doc Ock being proud to see Peter, Toby all grown up. Peter, Andrew crying for saving MJ. Love that moment. Uh, the brotherly bond between the Peters formed. And again, I love that it was like we all predicted it was going to be Andrew that saved MJ falling, right? But I love that he didn't just save her, put her down and say, be careful and take off. He landed with her and then the movie took a moment. John Watts, the director, decided to take a moment to let us as the audience share in that recognition that Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker had that he just succeeded Where he had previously failed. That he wasn't able to save his Gwen Stacy. But he was able to save this universe's MJ. And the fact that they just took a moment to let us see that emotion on his face. And we as the audience got to share in those feels that he had in that moment. I thought that was a brilliant directorial decision. I thought that was a brilliant directorial decision on John Watts' parts to let us linger there for just a moment and appreciate the significance that it would have had on that Andrew Garfield character. I thought it was a great choice. Absolutely a great choice. All right. Uh, next up, we go to... Uh, is Next, oh, No, we already had that one. Uh, Krollix also writes... Excited to see what the new movies will look like uh, with this soft reboot, hopefully with a new cast and a new Venom and no more Iron Man Jr. Spider-Man. Well, listen, I think there's a world of possibilities in front of them now. MJ and Ned can be back in the next movie. The next movie may be in the Sony-verse. It may be in the MCU. We may have people remember who Spider-Man is. We may not, but I am really happy that the Iron Man Jr., I still love Far From Home and Homecoming, even though it's Iron Man Jr. I still love the movies, don't get me wrong. But it makes my heart very happy to see that we're moving on from that. All right, guys, final one of the day. And then we're gonna have to wrap things up here because my voice is pretty much shot. We've almost been going three hours. Thoughts on the score? I thought the score was very good. I loved hearing the themes from the other films. MCU Spider-Man's theme should be iconic. It's perfect for the character. It's really interesting how... How much, like smell, the, the sound of music instantly takes us somewhere. Here's a quick example. I, Ann and I were in the car the other day, and for whatever reason, we don't listen to classical music in the car, but for whatever reason, we kind of popped on this classical music station, right? Just for the, the heck of it, just popped it on. And it just so happened that they were playing the music from Hook, the the food fight dinner scene when Peter is f- I think having his first flight around like because remember they were having that pretend food fight and then um, Robin Williams realizes he can now see the the imaginary food and that allows him to tap into his his happy thought and he's able to then fly that music from that scene started playing and Anne and I instantly were both like whoa and Anne's like what is this and I'm like. This is totally the bangerang music. This is totally, and instantly, just the few notes from that music teleported my imagination to watching that scene and I was experiencing that scene again just from hearing those notes. Same thing happens with I'm a big fan of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. I know it's the cool thing today just to, to hate on it, but whatever. I really like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I like that movie a lot. But now whenever I hear the iconic Brian Adams song, you know, you know, it's true. Everything I do. Like whenever I hear. do, 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 do. Like whenever I hear those notes my imagination is instantly teleported to those scenes. In Jurassic, come on, who among us doesn't hear the music from Jurassic Park? The da 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 Like, and you don't instantly think of seeing giant dinosaurs, right? The same thing happens to me with those that Spider-Man music. Like when we hear the overtures from the previous Spider-Man films, my imagination instantly goes there. And it just makes those scenes feel more complete. It just feels absolutely more complete. And yeah, I thought the music in that worked, uh, worked very, very well. And I I thought it was great. All right, guys, listen, there are still more things to come from uh, Matt McLean, Robert Zaleski, Matthew Defredis. Unfortunately, we're going to have to get to those in a part two of our Spider-Man open spoiler discussion. So we will do that. Look for that, uh, in the next 48 hours, we'll put up part two of this and we'll get all caught up in that. But for now, while my voice is almost gone that will do it for our first part of our open spoiler discussion of Spider-Man No Way Home it was uh, it was a triumph of a movie guys it was fun it was exciting being again in a full packed movie house where multiple screens are showing the movie and everybody cheering together and feeling together. And you f- just feel the energy as everybody's walking out of the theater, too, buzzing, hopping. Having that experience again was so great. Here's hoping we get that with Morbius and with Doctor Strange, too, and all the other upcoming movies coming as well. But it was such a great feeling. Thank you guys for joining me here today for these last three hours. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to think about and to talk about. And number two, you supported the channel as you did it, and all of us involved with the John Campus Show and our channel. Thank you guys so much for that support. Guys, don't forget the John Campus Show returns tomorrow. We got a lot of things to talk about, including record-shattering box office for Spider-Man No Way Home. The Right now, the Sunday projections are that Spider-Man No Way Home has made 253 Million dollars. The actual numbers come out tomorrow. We'll see if it goes above that 250 line or under. Because you know, Kim and I have a bet. We set an over-under of 249 million, 249.5 million. I took the under. Kim took the over. If these estimates hold when the actual numbers come out tomorrow, It will mean that Kim has won the bet, or maybe it'll shift by a couple of minutes. We'll find out. But that and a lot of things other, we're going to talk about this tomorrow on the show. But for now, guys, that'll do it for me. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.